Greetings, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday nights on BBS Radio Station 1. We are so grateful that you're joining us here tonight. We'd like to take a few gentle breaths and get into our heart space and just set the tone for the evening. So take those those gentle breaths, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, slowly and gently. Let go of that dross of the day. We hear that calling drum. So let us uh, go into that heart space and gather with our guides and guardians, our angel teams, our spirit teams, our healing teams, our ancestors, our totems, whoever you like to journey with this drum with. And there's a council fire. And it's in the center. So let's gather around that council fire in that virtual way we know how to do. Coming close, make a perfect circle. 
let us call in those seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition. We welcome from the east, the house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we may see everything from within, or clearly, all things clearly. Thank you. Sorry. And we welcome from the north, the house of night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. We greet from the West, the house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. We greet from the South, the house of eternal sun. A right action give us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. And we greet from above, the house of paradise, where the star people and the ancestors gather. May their blessings reach us now. We greet from below the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmonies so that we might end war. We welcome from above, from the central source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. Ahoma Takwayasin. In Lakash Alakin, I am another you, you are another me. Mm, so, let's take a few moments to just stay wherever that drumbeat took you while I discuss a little bit about the Mayan record of days. I'm going to start with yesterday. <laughs> so there you go. Because yesterday was that that day out of time. And one way of counting that, it was, well, it was counted as 0. 0.0. And also I want to mention, I forgot to tell you last week that they were in the core days, and I think I was saying they were portal days, and that was misleading. Because the core days is that center source energy 20 days. It's the seventh unial. So it started when we 
on a niche, and it's we're on Ed now. Um, the yellow lunar human is today, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. I want to talk a little more about this kin number one thirty two, which is a six, and uh, and talk about this day that it's also counted as kin number one thirty one was on Wednesday. And uh, before before that day out of time, so it was the blue magnetic monkey. So we were working with this new wave. It was it was that we started on. We are in the blue magnetic monkey wave now. So we just started it on Wednesday, and it was stretched into half of this day out of time leap day, and uh, so it went. Not till midnight, but till noon the next day for the 29th of February. And then uh, in the afternoon, then we started the, the uh, human, yellow lunar human day. So, kin number 132 after that. So, um, so I wanted to just share with you some of the notes from this um, Space Station Plaza, Christina Papas. Guguru, I can't really pronounce her name. It's very Greek-looking. Um, uh, so the the blue monkey wave spell spans over fourteen days rather than the usual thirteen, and so this is because we have the day of time on the twenty ninth of February because we are in leap year in the Gregorian calendar. So the dream spell calendar treats leap days as another day out of time. To correct this anomaly, the leap day out of time becomes a bridge in time between kin number 131 and 132. First half of the day, the Thursday, the 29th, is from 12 days, and I already said that, so I'm not going to repeat it. Um, so then the second half is the human. So it's a stretched time. <laughs> and... Um, and we are in this core day. So it's very appropriate that the blue magnetic monkey is our guide through no time, as he is a master illusionist and time traveler. Moving through multi-dimensions in the time-space continuum is his specialty. This is super trippy because all this occurs in the central mystic column, the core days, the heart of the Zulkin, and at zero point, Hunabku. In it, seems his spirit wishes us to linger longer in the cradle of source energy. So enjoy this reunion, be- beloveds. What a homecoming. Welcome to March. March is the third Gregorian month. The number three is a very holy, as it symbolizes the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It exudes a frequency of joy, happiness, and creativity. When we add the three to the year code of 2024, which is an eight, we get an eleven two universal month. So we have that eleven <laughs> through the whole month. It's the portal which leads us to illumination. The eleven portal is. So it's an awakener that it activates our spiritual DNA and accelerates soul growth. And the blue monkey is tribe number eleven and it's the eleventh wave spell. And the blue Magnetic monkey occupies the eleventh day in the mystic column of the Zulking. So eleven, 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 eleven. Pow! 
we have a quadruple 11 code ensuring that we keep moving through these ascension doorways that are opening now at exponential pace. So March is also the domain of Pisces, which is the final sign in the Western Zodiac aspiring to higher ideals as a devoted servant of spirit. Neptune is the ruler of Pisces, flooding us with higher love and much wisdom on our journey through these dreamy times where we can fall prey to the illusions of time-space reality. Connect to your inner magician to find your way through the mist. So so welcome to the Blue Monkey Way Spell, folks. (laughs) So let's take a a look here at... at, uh, the 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 blue monkey the yellow or, or the 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 yellow lunar human days today so it's a it's a it's a two ebb and that lunar tone is is keywords are stabilizing challenge and polarize and ebb the human or its keywords are influence wisdom and free will. So here's the mantra for today. I polarize in order to influence stabilizing wisdom. I seal the process of free will with the lunar tone of challenge. I am guided by the power of flowering. So um, let's look at let's look at, at the head, the human, a little bit more. It's a healing aspect, and it's about enlightenment of humankind. It's about activating cosmic consciousness and attuning to spirit. And so we we have these gifts with this energy of being that human servant warrior and abundant and the gift of abundance and that contact with other dimensions. So let's let go of any dependence on the analytical mind as we embrace these energies today. And um, then moving on to Saturday, it's a three band, the Red Electric Skywalker. And Ben is a warrior aspect, and its its uh, work is about focus and striving towards self-elimination and clarity. So we embrace these gifts of strength and that ability to bend dimensions as we let go of any resistance to faith or any belief in aloneness. And then moving on to Sunday, it's a four each, the white self-existing wizard. And it's also the beginning of the third quarter moon, which is at 1023 in the morning, Eastern time. So let's look at this um, magician energy a little bit each on Sunday. It's a visionary aspect. And it's about the illumination for others and clarity of mind and purpose. So we have that gift of being that uh, that jaguar priestess woman, that shaman energy in jaguar medicine, integrity. It's about being in accordance with divine will. So let's let go of any control or personal power issues or any manipulation as we embrace these energies on Sunday. Then moving on to Monday, it's the five men, the blue overtone eagle, which is another visionary aspect, and it's it's about our commitment to service, and it's about moving consciousness to source. 
in reconnecting with all creation as we do all that. So let's embrace these gifts of independence and belief in ourselves as we let go of any feelings of despair, any dissociation, or the illusion of separateness. And then moving on to Tuesday, it's the sixth key. We're, we're, these are all core days now, so remember we're in that, that source energy, zero-point energy. Um, so let's make use of that with this warrior energy of key on, on Tuesday. And that sixth tone is that rhythmic tone. It's two threes, and, and it's that Christ tone as well, isn't it? So let's embrace these, the work we have to do with trusting in our journey and bringing awareness of right action as we embrace our gifts of communication with the divine and that access to cosmic consciousness. We let go of any limitation or any restriction or any hesitation. And then on Wednesday, it's a seven combined, the red resonant earth, which is another healing aspect so, this healing aspect is about uh, the work of being that keeper of the earth and our awareness of earth energy. So, we embrace these gifts of access to planetary harmony, being that balancing point, and working with our intuition. Let go of any separation, any failure to read the signs or any dissociation as we embrace these energies on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, March the 7th, it's an 8 Etznob, White Galactic Mirror, and this it's a warrior aspect. So this is it's about working on our groundedness and that wise use of honesty and self-understanding. And we just went through the wave of Etznob, so we're familiar with that energy. We're, re- we're revisiting with this 8-tone, the galactic tone. Embrace those gifts of scrying the unseen, fluidity, and persistence as we let go of any illusion of separateness, any fear or abandonment. Uh, we embrace these energies on Thursday, and then on Friday, it's a nine co-op, and so that's the blue solar storm, and it is also International Women's Day. So it's a visionary aspect. And it's about creating transformation for others, lighting clear thought, and it's we embrace these gifts of that possibility of freedom, that power of catalyzing. And as we let go of any addiction to crisis or despair or fear, we embrace these energies. On Friday, the nine co-op, that nine solar is... Is activating everything. It's three threes. We're doing it all, and uh, yeah. So, and we celebrate International Women's Day on that day as well. So there you go. We'll talk about that tomorrow, next Friday, when we come back. And what else? Um, oh yeah, I'm going to change my hat. <laughs> We're going to talk about the housekeeping now. So. Let's take a look at what we need for BBS radio. And a coincidence, it's a coincidence. We need 1111 for radio. That's exactly what we were talking about or yesterday with that energy, the 1111 showing up, that monkey. So let's do some play on the radio and reach into our pockets and see what we have to give. And 
go to bbsradio.com and click on Radio Station 1 on the schedule. You'll see a schedule there. Right there at the top on the left-hand side of the page is the schedule. Click on that. Click on Radio Station 1. Look for this program. On Fridays at the 8 o'clock hour, you will see the hard news with Tara and Rama on Friday nights. And as you click on that icon there, it takes you to our account with BBS Radio where you can make a donation in any amount. We also have a program on Thursdays at the 8 o'clock hour. These are central times. Um, So that program is a night at the round table with the panel. Click on that icon there, and it takes you to our account. And then the program on Saturday is on Radio Station 2. If you haven't been there, come join us. It starts at 3.30, and you'll see it listed there, the 3.30 afternoon hour. And it is the true history of Nisera and our galactic origins with Tara and Rama, and as you click on that icon, that takes you to our account where you can make that donation for our fees with BBS Radio. So we've left February, we're in March, so let's see what we can do to just pull in the abundance of the 1111 energy and make it happen. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing your part. Thank you for all the ways that you show up in your lives. We're so grateful for all of you. So, so much gratitude. And I'd like to take a few minutes now to discuss uh, the the needs of Tara and Rama as we uh, support them in their living expenses for uh, all the work that they do. And this is, this is what, that's what they do, and this is what we do is we, we, <laughs> we pony up. So um, we still need $200 for the mechanic for the car repair and uh we they also need two hundred dollars in living expenses and they have two bills that need to be paid one's due on the fourth and the other the fifth so that's beginning of the week monday and tuesday and they're both 162 dollars so that's easy one's wind stream and the other's horizon and uh yeah, and change. So, yeah, but $162 of work. Uh, so, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking that action and assisting Tara and Rama. And here's how you do it you want to go to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net, N E T. And as you go there, you'll see a link for the uh, donate on the top of the page, and just click on that Donate button on the right-hand side of your computer. And if you're on another device that just says the the menu grid, click on that menu grid, and you'll see the Donate link near, next to the last bottom of that list. As you click on that, that takes you to our PayPal account. And it's the Rainbow Roundtable PayPal account, and it has its own email. So get this email address if you want to gift with the friends option. You need this email address. So write it down. Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at com, And that allows you to access that uh, friends option and and make sure it make it as a gift that way. So there you go. It eliminates the commercial charges which aren't necessary for donations like this. 
So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the action. We are so grateful for for all that you do to assist Tara and Rollin with what they need, and we're grateful for all that they do. Um, so there you go. That's it. Not too bad. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all your all your do- donations, and thank you for joining us and being with us. And um, as you're sending something, please let Rama know that you sent something and that address for him. His email address is Koran999 at, cor- at Comcast.net. Koran999 at Comcast.net. <clears throat> and then as you need it, the, the mailing address is Rom D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D. Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Post Office Box 280280, and that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567 is the zip code. I'll say it again. New, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. 87567 is the zip. Okay, you've got it all, and I'm passing this talking stick out of out of no time <laughs> or extended time. It's human time today. We're in a human day. So let's celebrate our abundance. So greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking stick, and it has a lot of abundance on it. It has Excalibur sort of truth. We are so ready for that. And it's got a sun flash on it. <laughs> We're calling that one in. And it's got plenty of... of uh, of feathers and fairies and little people, the menahumis and the dwarves and the elves, and it's just got dragon energy of the year of the dragon. So it's a wooden dragon, of course. So greetings, Tara and Rama. Here it comes with unicorns. Welcome. Greetings. Greetings. All you commanders, eagles, and angels. Thank you for being here. We are so grateful. Thank you, Rainbird. Oh, Rainbird. Thank you, Rainbird. Do you have an update on how Cheryl is doing? Uh, no, I don't have an update. Um, but we need to keep descending our energy. Yeah. So maybe you will contact her. About tomorrow and see how she's yeah, doing. Yeah, I think she would have already told me if she thought she was too sick for tomorrow. But I'll, I will definitely let you know about tomorrow. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. I, that sounds very hopeful. In other words, she's probably fine. But yeah, I think she, I'm, I'm getting that she's much better. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Rainburn. So we'll okay. keep sending good vibrations to Cheryl and her husband. They caught some kind of a bug but let's just uh send more love (laughs) all right um yeah yeah. and uh rama got a bit of a message today um you want to tell people about what happened today rama oh i just uh sat with seven deer and nine crows and the caretaker at the I Am Sanctuary, and we did the Kundalini activation technique, and 
uh, did the Adi Shakti mantra for about 20 minutes and the deer and the crow and, and Sharon said you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless per- I'm so sorry everybody excuse me go ahead Rama um just uh, we worked with the energies of the breathing and then the caretaker had to go back to work and I went on my way and just big big solar flares today they've been moderate but I've been stretched I could just say I had some pressure on my head with the energies and it's not been a whole lot of fun but it's real it's what's happening as things are getting more and more raised up, I could just say, integrating that 12th dimensional energy. Okay. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'll just read what you told me, Rama. I'll do that. Um, Rama just said, I sat with seven deer and nine crows at um, at the I Am Sanctuary in Santa Fe. And it was 11.09 a.m. this morning. Uh, and then intuitively, the deer and the crow said to me, Lord Rama, there are, of course, more solar flares today. Then after about 10, 15 minutes, our friend Charlie, the caretaker, joined us. And he said to me, Lord Rama, let's do the deep breathing and the Adi Shakti mantra together. So we did that for about uh, 20 minutes. And then uh, Charlie said, I have to uh, get back to work now. Thank you, Lord Rama. And so Charlie, the deer, the the crows, and I, we went on our way for today. He had to get on the lawnmower and cut the grass. Uh, Well, that would have taken everybody off. Yeah. But but you gently did it first, and that was good. So Mm. you you went on your way, and Satnam Namaste and Blaze of Violet Fire, and uh, then um, I was just taking a little note from you know, the readout, this early evening news. And that's an interesting piece, too. Oh, where's my... Here it is. Excuse me. Yes, uh, the United States is the, is the world's largest uh, carceral state. We put more people in prison... Uh, than any other country on earth. And they're attempting to tell us that there's approximately 330 million people here. And I'm just going to say we know much better. Probably half of that, you know, 165 million. Uh, And so we're just going to go with that. So that's even more serious in terms of 
the uh, carceral state that we really represent. So, and that's one of the number one things once Nassar is enacted publicly into law. Reforming the prison system is on the top of the list to align with a democratic, respectful, um, you might say, reform where dignity is involved in each human being's life. And I'm just going to relate to Norway because it's the best system, maximum 20 years, and nobody gets the death penalty as far as I know there. And um, the really hardened criminals, then they, there's a fair, you can count them on one hand, and they're behind bars, and they're treated kindly. There is, um, there's no guns anywhere in the whole prison. I think that's very interesting. And um, the others, they live in a, like a community lifestyle. And they have they they get up early, and they meditate together. They sing together. Uh, they make the they create a menu for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And everybody joins in, does something to make that meal happen. And they clean up together, and then they do go to classes. In other words, you can decide if you want a profession of. I've said said. Um, we got to start. That's what we got to do. Uh, uh, we'll continue this later, but uh, let's just go and aurora ray right now, Rama. Okay. No, no, no. Right now, yeah. we're not going to get it done. Oh my goodness! Yeah. It's 14 minutes long. We're not going to get it done, but we'll do as much as we can. Tell everybody what it's called, honey. Ascend Now. Unlock 5D Mastery with Warrior Kundalini Activation. Here we go. Welcome, my beautiful family of life, to the final video in my free six-part video series about the Warrior Kundalini Activation Technique and my upcoming Warrior of Light Activation course. I just wanted to stop for a moment and express my deep gratitude for everyone who has watched this video series. I've received so many messages and emails from fellow Ascension Seekers and the early bird waitlist has now grown way beyond what I hoped for. Unfortunately, the way it looks, the number of early bird waitlist registrants is extraordinarily higher than the number of spots I can actually have available in the live course. I've also received dozens of questions about my upcoming warrior activation course, and instead of replying to every message one by one, I thought it would be way easier to shoot a quick video and answer everyone's questions in one place. So if you send me a message and I haven't gotten back to you yet, I really apologize. All of my inboxes are literally flooded with messages and questions about my warrior activation course. Now, before I answer all your questions, I just wanted to recap all of the crucial Ascension information and the specific teachings for the Aquarian age that I covered in this six part video series for you. If you've watched the last five videos, then you know that the 
Warrior Kundalini activation technique is the best way to achieve expanded consciousness, a higher frequency, enlightenment, and the blooming of psychic abilities, a 5D heart opening, and ultimately, this process leads to the manifestation of your dream life. All the abundance and prosperity, health, love, happiness you could ever dream of is yours to take if you can tune your body into the right frequency, like a tuning fork. I also showed you that implementing the warrior kundalini activation technique is super easy. I demonstrated how you can quickly get started in just two minutes per day. I showed you how you can make your life easier and get powerful results really fast by drastically shifting your frequency, resetting your nervous system and effortlessly creating strong aura. As a spiritual warrior of light, your time has finally come. All of the energies on earth are in full support of your divine transformation right now. I also showed you some actual examples of the Warrior Kundalini activation technique in action and how Nick, one of my students, was able to get into his world-renowned acting school within six months despite trying to get in for 10 years. And with the Warrior Kundalini activation technique, there is no reason why you can't get more healthy, more happy, and more prosperous. These are just frequencies. When you find the correct technology that really facilitates a drastic and instant shift in frequency, you can literally see all your desires materialize in front of your eyes. You don't need psychics or coaches who will literally talk forever. You need to breathe and chant and meditate and exercise and you need to do it by practicing the correct technology that will utilize your sacred vessel, which is the human body, in a way that it fully operates as the electromagnetic biomachine it was meant to be. You think this is difficult and takes a lifetime, but by practicing the correct technique that works by activating the Kundalini, the primal life force, you can achieve the results you want in months and change your whole life forever. I know you think someone needs to wave their magic wand above your head so you can finally be free. But in reality, you hold the magic. You hold the key to the door that will open heaven on earth for you. And you can open this door right now while sitting on your couch and without leaving your living room. Just come and breathe with me. Let us chant, and meditate, and exercise with the correct technology that was given to us by the Pleiadians as the teachings for the Aquarian Age that began January 20th, 2024. This year, the sacred dragon energy has arrived to take the spiritual warriors of light on a ride through higher dimensions. But you have free will. Will you hear this call? Now, with all that being said, I'm super excited to announce that registration for my Warrior Activation course is about to open in the next couple of days on March 4th, 2024, and I'll be taking only a very small handful of new students and teaching them exactly how to master 5D Ascension. Ascension is a step-by-step -step process. So before you materialize a live body, activate your Merkaba and take off for intergalactic travel with ET, you first want to become happier and healthier, manifest more prosperity and find love. 
by getting on the higher frequencies. And as you recreate yourself, transmute the past and step into your divine life purpose, you help create the 5D new earth. You can literally sit in the same room with me where we gather in community and share a sacred space together as we breathe and heal and raise our frequencies and ascend closer to the lives we envision. The warrior kundalini activation technique isn't going to be a bunch of abstract theories, but in fact, it's a collective group experience in which you generate energy within your own body for the first time in your life. You could literally come to class in a state of stress and anxiety, but by the time we finish our practice, you will be happy and balanced and peaceful and lighter and elevated and super relaxed. You will be high like a kite from energy. And this is the stage from which you bloom and manifest. The warrior kundalini activation technique will turn a human into a superhuman, as is needed for 5D ascension. But if needed, it will fix you first. Now, as promised, I'm going to answer some questions I've been getting about the course. One question I've been getting a lot is whether this is suitable for beginners or if the course is only for advanced people. And the answer is it's absolutely beginner friendly and you don't need to have any prior experience before enrolling in the live online course. Everything is broken down into small bite-sized chunks so you can easily digest and follow along. And that's why I'm accepting only a very small limited number of new students for the live classes so I can work with you to guarantee your success with the technique. Some people have also been asking me if they're too old or need to be physically fit. And the answer is that you can do everything in these classes without exceeding your own comfort levels. As a matter of fact, the Warrior Kundalini Activation Technique is a collective group practice in which we are connected to a collective energy field. There's always one person who has more vitality or more youth, more strength, or they just have a good day after a restful night. And this person will experience the greatest energetic breakthrough from any particular class. Now, the blessing bestowed upon them through the effort they applied on that day will be shared with the entire group who practiced together. Even if you just sit in the class without doing anything, the energy transfer and the blessing you receive from connecting to the energy field is immense. Another question is, do you need to be from the United States in order to use the Kundalini activation technique and benefit from this course? And the answer is no. Although most of my students are from the United States, I... Okay. I think we do what, what she's telling us that she's going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do that on our conference call. So we're going to go uh, give us give out the numbers. We're going to pass this talking to, to you, Rama. Um, seven two zero seven one six seven three zero one, and the pin code is three five three eight six three pound. So we will see you there, everybody, and then. At the top of the following hour, right back here at BBS Radio, best radio in your neighborhood. And that's talking globally. <laughs> okay. 
So sat down for now, everybody. See you on the conference. Namaste.
Welcome back, everybody. Got to get the sound in there. Um, <clears throat> there a place to make the sound go up. Did you play it when you tested it out before? Yeah. 
Hi, Precious Heart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlogs. As we assimilate higher and higher frequencies of God's infinite light, everything that conflicts with that light is being pushed to the surface to be transmuted back into light and to its original perfection. From outer appearances, this seems to be exacerbating the chaos manifesting in the outer world. Today, the beings of light will join us for an activity of light from on high that will help us to transcend the surfacing chaos so that we can stay focused on the light. If you have the heart call to participate in this activity of light, please join with us now. And we begin. I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. But I invoke for myself this sacred and holy day. I invoke on behalf of every man, woman and child on earth in perfect alignment with each person's divine plan and the highest good for all concerned. This is possible because at long last, Humanity is remembering that we are one and that there is no such thing as separation or the concept of us versus them. As one breath, one heartbeat, one voice, and one energy vibration and consciousness of pure divine love, we invoke our Father, Mother, God and the entire company of heaven to assist the I am presence of every person on earth to God victoriously accomplish this facet of the divine plan. Beloved legions of light throughout infinity, we ask that you gather up every electron of precious life energy being expended by humanity at this time in any way during the accelerated transfiguration process we are in the midst of. Purify this energy with the power and might of a thousand suns using the new solar frequencies of the fifth dimensional crystal and violet flame of God's infinite perfection. Weave this purified energy into the collective cup of humanity's consciousness so that every single electron of precious life energy being released by the sons and daughters of God on earth will be used to manifest the brand new patterns of perfection from our grand central sun for the fifth dimensional crystalline solar new earth. Beloved Father, Mother, God, we ask that you now expand your flame of comprehensive divine love 
through every person's heart flame. Create from this sacred fire a heart of love. Allow this heart of love to expand and expand through each person's heart flame until it envelops the entire planet Earth. This unprecedented influx of love now flows through Mother Earth's fifth dimensional crystalline solar grid of comprehensive divine love, blessing humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth. As this gift of divine love bathes the Earth, Every atomic and subatomic particle and wave of life on this planet is lifted out of the chaos into a higher order of being. The light of God now flows into the mental body, the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the superconscious mind, and the physical brain structure of every man, woman, and child on earth. This gift of light from our Father, Mother, God balances the right and left hemispheres of each person's brain and activates our spiritual brain centers. Through this gift of God's infinite light, our pituitary, pineal, and hypothalamus glands, and the ganglionic centers at the base of our brain are restored to their full divine potential. Utilizing this powerful gift of light, every person's I am presence now recalibrates the circuitry within our physical brain structures, enabling this system to withstand higher and higher frequencies of divine consciousness. This activity of light heals the fragmented circuitry that has prevented humanity from communicating with our I am presence and the company of heaven. The I am presence pulsating within each person's heart flame now joins forces with the beings of light from our grand central sun to co-create a sacred space that enables us to open our fifth dimensional crown chakra of enlightenment to full breath. This allows each one of us to communicate with our I am presence and the beings of light from our grand central sun on a conscious level while reaching ever higher into unity consciousness. As I focus and hold my attention on the light of God that is now flowing through every person's physical brain structure, I clearly see humanity's physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies being flooded with the resplendent light of God. Mm.
this multidimensional, multifaceted, free-flowing, fifth-dimensional crystalline solar light expands into every cell of humanity's earthly bodies, allowing the I am presence of each person to take full dominion of this experience. Now, all is in readiness. Through our I am presence, every person on earth is choosing to participate at both inner and outer levels in this activity of light, which will raise the consciousness of the masses and assist every person to shift from a consciousness of separation and duality to a consciousness of oneness and reverence for all life. I continue to breathe rhythmically and deeply. The legions of light from our grand central sun are with me now as I greet this sacred moment from within the peace of my I am presence. I am one with all life. I now realize that I am one with all humanity. And together, we are standing forth as the collective fifth dimensional crystalline solar I am presence on earth. I now reach up into the infinity of my own divine consciousness. As I am lifted up, all of humanity is lifted up with me. In this frequency of light from our grand central sun, unity consciousness is reclaimed here on earth. This higher consciousness pulsates with comprehensive divine love, oneness, and reverence for all life. Within this embrace of unity consciousness, Humanity experiences an endless ocean of light that flows from the very heart of our Father Mother God into our crown chakra and is anchored in our heart flame. With this influx of light, each person knows, I am that I am. I am the open door for this celestial ocean of light. I am the light of the world and the time for my higher service to humanity, the elemental kingdom and Mother Earth is now. This cosmic ocean of light now intensifies flowing unimpeded through humanity's physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies. As each person assimilates this gift from on high, they release into the light from all time frames and dimensions, both known and unknown, all thoughts, feelings, words, actions, 
beliefs and memories that are based in the obsolete consciousness of separation and duality. The I am presence of each person now affirms all that I am, all of the God perfection that flows into my crown chakra of enlightenment is manifesting through me now as the patterns of perfection for the fifth dimensional crystalline solar new earth. I am at peace on this new earth. I am resting in supreme God confidence that I have the ability to co-create patterns of perfection for this new earth that were previously beyond my greatest imagination. I am opening the fifth dimensional stargate of my heart to full breath. I am one with my father, mother, God, and the power of light from the grand central sun. And I am ready now to enhance my ability to co-create these exquisite new patterns day by day. Beloved Father, Mother, God, from your glorious heart I came into being and into your loving heart one day when my service here on earth is through, I shall return. In deep humility and gratitude, I thank you for the privilege of having life and for my physical embodiment during this sacred time when God's comprehensive divine love and the patterns of perfection for the fifth dimensional crystalline solar new earth are being permanently established on this blessed planet. I offer you the cup of my consciousness as a holy grail through which the light of God will flow to fulfill the divine plan for Mother Earth. Beloved Father, Mother God, from this moment forth, with every breath I take, empower me with the ability to radiate the comprehensive divine love of my I am presence to every particle and wave of life evolving on this sweet earth. And so it is, beloved I am, beloved I am, beloved I am that I am. God bless you, dear one. I look forward to being with you next week.
affirmations invoking magical abundance. I am a child of the universe. There is a higher power and intelligence guiding me. This higher power is my guiding light. This higher power is abundant, for that is the natural state of my being and of the universe. This higher power knows the reasons for this incarnation. This higher power knows and guides me towards the highest timeline that I choose to fully and joyfully experience now. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. There is a higher power and intelligence guiding you. This higher power is your guiding light. This higher power is abundant, for that is the natural state of your being and of the universe. This higher power knows the reasons for this incarnation. This higher power knows and guides you towards the highest timeline that you choose to fully and joyfully experience now. We are all children of the universe. There is a higher power and intelligence guiding us. This higher power is our guiding light. This higher power is abundant for that is the natural state of our being and of the universe. This higher power knows the reasons for our incarnations. This higher power knows and guides us towards the highest timeline that we choose to fully and joyfully experience now. I am a child of the universe. I surrender to the wisdom and guidance of the universe. As I do this, I receive countless blessings. In this surrender, I begin to touch and awaken the limitless abundance of the universe. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You surrender to the wisdom and guidance of the universe. As you do this, you receive countless blessings. In this surrender, you begin to touch and awaken the limitless abundance of the universe. We are all children of the universe. We all surrender to the wisdom and guidance of the universe. As we do this, we receive countless blessings. In this surrender, we begin to touch and awaken the limitless abundance of the universe. I am a child of the universe. I choose faith over fear. I have faith that the universe has a treasure trove of multidimensional bounty waiting for me. 
There are no limits to what is possible for me to experience and enjoy on the earth plane. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You choose faith over fear. You have faith that the universe has a treasure trove of multidimensional bounty waiting for you. There are no limits to what is possible for you to experience and enjoy on the earth plane. We are all children of the universe. We choose faith over fear. We have faith that the universe has a treasure trove of multidimensional bounty waiting for us. There are no limits to what is possible for us to experience and enjoy on the earth plane. I am a child of the universe. I expect unexpected opportunities. I expect unexpected blessings. <laughs> the more I open, the more I walk in faith and trust, the more the universe can find ways to bring me my highest good. Life is a wonderful mystery to be experienced. The universe is constantly giving, constantly generous. I open my heart and mind to magical abundance now. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You expect unexpected opportunities. You expect unexpected blessings. The more you open, the more you walk in faith and trust, the more the universe can find ways to bring you your highest good. Life is a wonderful mystery to be experienced. The universe is constantly giving, constantly generous. You open your heart and mind to magical abundance now. We are all children of the universe. We expect unexpected opportunities. We expect unexpected blessings. The more we open, the more we walk in faith and trust, the more the universe can find ways to bring us our highest good. Life is a wonderful mystery to be experienced. The universe is constantly giving, constantly generous. We open our hearts and minds to magical abundance now. I am a child of the universe. I achieve whatever I set my mind to. Everything is vibration. And as I learn the spiritual laws of the universe and apply them in my life, I experience the miracle of complete golden solar abundance now. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You achieve 
whatever you set your mind to. Everything is vibration. And as you learn the spiritual laws of the universe and apply them in your life, then you experience the miracle of complete golden solar abundance now. We are all children of the universe. We achieve whatever we set our minds to. Everything is vibration. And as we learn the spiritual laws of the universe and apply them in our lives, then we experience the miracle of complete golden solar abundance now. I am a child of the universe. I am loved. There are many here on the earth plane that have opened to the love of the universe. So I know that I am not alone in this journey. Countless other starseeds are here in physical form with me. I am loved and supported. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You are loved. There are many here on the earth plane that have opened to the love of the universe. So you know you are not alone in this journey. Countless other starseeds are here in physical form with you. You are loved and supported. We are all children of the universe. We are all loved. There are many star seeds on the earth plane that have opened to the love of the universe. So we know we are not alone in this journey. Countless other star seeds are here in physical form. We are loved and supported. I am a child of the universe. I am a limitless being of light. There are limitless possibilities open to me in this lifetime. As I intend, imagine, focus, so shall I create. So shall I create an abundant, magical, sparkling reality. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You are a limitless being of light. There are limitless possibilities open to you in this lifetime. As you intend, imagine, focus, so you shall create. So shall you create an abundant, magical, sparkling reality. We are all children of the universe. We are limitless beings of light. There are limitless possibilities open to us in this lifetime. As we intend, imagine, focus, so shall we create. So shall we create an abundant, magical, sparkling reality. 
I am a child of the universe. There are angels of abundance, angels of the sun, angels of the earth. There are angels on many planes of existence. I am connected to this angelic light. I now invoke this angelic light to create a magical and abundant reality on the earth plane. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. There are angels of abundance, angels of the sun, angels of the earth. There are angels on many planes of existence. You are connected to this angelic light. You now invoke this angelic light to create a magical and abundant reality on the earth plane. We are all children of the universe. There are angels of abundance, angels of the sun, angels of the earth. There are angels on many planes of existence. We are all connected to this angelic light. We now invoke this angelic light to create a magical and abundant reality on the earth plane. I am a child of the universe. It is safe to live an abundant life. It is safe because the light is in the ascendance. It is safe because the whole of creation is supporting me to live an abundant life. It is safe because I believe it is so. And as I believe, so I create. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. It is safe to live an abundant life. It is safe because the light is in the ascendance. It is safe because the whole of creation is supporting you to live an abundant life. It is safe because you believe it is so. And as you believe, so you create. We are all children of the universe. It is safe to live an abundant life. It is safe because the light is in the ascendance. It is safe because the whole of creation is supporting us to live an abundant life. It is safe because we believe it is so. And as we believe, so we create. I am a child of the universe. I am worthy of living an abundant life. I am worthy of experiencing the fullness of what I desire. I am worthy of attracting and creating my highest good. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You are worthy of living an abundant life. You are worthy of experiencing the fullness of what you desire. You are worthy of attracting and creating your highest good. We are all children of the universe. We are all worthy of living an abundant life. We are all worthy of experiencing the fullness of what we all desire. 
We are all worthy of attracting and creating our highest good. I am a child of the universe. I believe in myself, just as my highest self believes in me. I have so much support in my inner worlds. There are angels of abundance transmitting to me now vibrations of uplifting light. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You believe in yourself just as your higher self believes in you. You have so much support in your inner worlds. There are angels of abundance transmitting to you now vibrations of uplifting light. We are all children of the universe. We believe in ourselves just as our higher selves believes in us. We have so much support in our inner worlds. There are angels of abundance transmitting to us now vibrations of uplifting light. I am a child of the universe. I have everything I need within me to create an abundant, happy, magical and successful life. I open now to such a wonderful life. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You have everything you need within you to create an abundant, happy, magical and successful life. You now open to such a magical life. We are all children of the universe. We have everything we need within us to create an abundant, happy, magical and successful life. We open now to such a wonderful life. I am a child of the universe. I attract miracles into my life. All of life is a miracle. This life I'm experiencing on the earth plane now is a miracle. I have the ability to transform every challenge into golden possibilities for myself and others. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You attract miracles into your life. All of life is a miracle. This life you are experiencing now on the earth plane is a miracle. You have the ability to transform every challenge into golden possibilities for yourself and others. We are all children of the universe. We attract miracles into our lives. All of life is a miracle. This life we are experiencing now on the earth plane is a miracle. 
we have the ability to transform every challenge into golden possibilities for ourselves and others. I am a child of the universe. I harness the light of the universe into my reality to amplify my highest visions and creations. I invoke the light of the sun and stars to uplift my vibration. I think and imagine abundantly. I speak words that reflect my deepest faith that I live and move in an abundant universe. The sun gives generously and abundantly which is a direct reflection of the true nature of this universe. I am a bright star, a radiant sun on the earth plane. I allow, attract and create a miraculous reality through me and around me. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You harness the light of the universe into your reality to amplify your highest visions and creations. You invoke the light of the sun and stars to uplift your vibration. You think and imagine abundantly. You speak words that reflect your deepest faith that you live and move in an abundant universe. The sun gives generously and abundantly, which is a direct reflection of the true nature of this universe. You are a bright star, a radiant sun on the earth plane. You allow, attract and create a miraculous reality through you and around you. We are all children of the universe. We harness the light of the universe into our reality to amplify our highest visions and creations. We invoke the light of the sun and stars to uplift our vibration. We think and imagine abundantly. We speak words that reflect our deepest faith that we live and move in an abundant universe. The sun gives generously and abundantly, which is a direct reflection of the true nature of this universe. We are bright stars and radiant suns on the earth plane. We allow, attract and create a miraculous reality through us and around us. I am a child of the universe. I have many gifts and talents to share. Gifts and talents that I have developed over many lifetimes. I am a starseed magician. I release all limitations. I open my mind to the full and complete magical abundance of the universe. I am a limitless being. 
The universe is limitless. The magical potential of abundance in this reality is limitless. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You have many gifts and talents to share. Gifts and talents you have developed over many lifetimes. You are a starseed magician. You release all limitations. You open your mind to the full and complete magical abundance of the universe. You are a limitless being. The universe is limitless. The magical potential of abundance in this reality is limitless. We are all children of the universe. We have many gifts and talents to share. Gifts and talents we have developed over many lifetimes. We are starseed magicians. We release all limitations. We open our minds to the full and complete magical abundance of the universe. We are limitless beings. The universe is limitless. The magical potential of abundance in this reality is limitless. I am a child of the universe. I am capable, capable of so many things. I am capable of abundance, of living an abundant life, of realizing my dreams, of experiencing spiritual abundance, mental abundance, emotional abundance, and all forms of abundant blessings on the physical plane. As I become abundant, I help others to live an abundant life. For what goes around comes around. Generosity is a beautiful trait. Generosity is founded in the belief that abundance is something to be shared wisely. What I give without expectation of return will return to me manifold in different ways. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You are capable, capable of so many things. You are capable of abundance, of living an abundant life, of realizing your dreams, of experiencing spiritual abundance, mental abundance, emotional abundance, and all forms of abundant blessings on the physical plane. As you become abundant, you help others to live an abundant life for what goes around comes around. Generosity is a beautiful trait. Generosity is founded in the belief that abundance is something to be shared wisely. What you give without expectation of return will return to you manifold in different ways. We are all children of the universe. We are all capable capable of so many things. We are capable of abundance, of living an abundant life, of realizing our dreams, of experiencing spiritual abundance, mental abundance, 
emotional abundance and all forms of abundant blessings on the physical plane. As we become abundant, we help others to live an abundant life for what goes around comes around. Generosity is a beautiful trait. Generosity is founded in the belief that abundance is something to be shared wisely. What we give without expectation of return will return to us many fold in different ways. I am a child of the universe. I am here as a steward of the earth. No one owns anything here, for everything will be surrendered eventually. All blessings are mine for a time. Beyond this earth plane, there are other planes of existence and other experiences of abundance and miracles. I am connected to many planes of existence where abundance is the natural state of things. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You are here as a steward of the earth. No one owns anything here, for everything will be surrendered eventually. All blessings are yours for a time. Beyond this earth plane, there are other planes of existence and other experiences of abundance and miracles. You are connected to such planes of existence where abundance is the natural state of things. We are all children of the universe. We are here as stewards of the earth. No one owns anything here, for everything will be surrendered eventually. All blessings are ours for a time. Beyond this earth plane, there are other planes of existence and other experiences of abundance and miracles. We are connected to such planes of existence where abundance is the natural state of things. I am a child of the universe. I seal this invocation of magical abundance with light. Dear soul, you are a child of the universe. You seal now this invocation of magical abundance with light. We are children of the universe. We seal this invocation of magical abundance with light.
Many blessings. We are all servants of peace. Greetings in the light of the most radiant one in the office of Christ and only in the office of Christ. Book the loving energies of Say and We ask at this time for peace to be in the hearts of the people, for active uh, persistence in support of the Palestinian people and support of the people in the world and all of Israel. Uh, and in the leadership, we send more love as they resist peace. And we, in the office of the Christ, we call it all in. Uh, war is over if we want it. I pass this talking stick to you, Mother. Greetings. Greetings, children of Ra. Yes, war is over. This moment we are in so awesome to behold. Like the man said, we are a child of the universe. Magnificent stuff happening. Around. 
around the planet, throughout the cosmos. It is this shift of the ages. The wayward children cannot stop it even though they are trying hard as they can. Gotta send more love. That's the answer. <laughs> yes. Everything moving perfectly into place as ascension is unfolding. Hmm. As 12D You get to experience this with each day as the sun lifting this planet higher. Very awesome to behold as hmm, the energies in of themselves are changing everything. And the matrix continues to fizzle out. Mother, are we going to get some uh, uh, you might say some justice in terms of the cases 91 of them, etc, etc I mean are the uh, adolescent and toddler souls waking up um, they have to be waking up because the energies are so high. You might be the walking dead if you can't feel them. <laughs> well, Rainbird was saying it's depressing to hear that the majority of the people in the United States are at that lower level of awareness. 
Yes. It is a, a bit challenging to say the least. Yet it is what we could call temporary amnesia from the true self which is this radiant light being that is what's manifesting in physical form as we work with the energies and the old falls away. We were talking on the conference call about uh, it went from a full government shutdown supposed to have happened today to a partial shutdown to yesterday a certain group of departments of the government being extended for a week and then another group of the departments being extended for um, 10 days or something and it's gotten brought up that this has been going on since last October. Mother. Yeah. And in and in October we had we had a killing spree going on. It is about the fact that we cannot run the planet in the old way. The power games and absolute control with the bloody iron fist is not going to work. Even though it is a what's being applied at the level of the Hmm. Psychic Holocaust going on. Trying to control folks, tell you what to do with your own body cycles as if your own beingness is not yours. It's illogical <laughs> and we are not even Vulcan <laughs> it is plain to see it is being obviously uh, <sighs> Manipulated. Yes, it oh. is a shame that more folks. Tonight, Joy Reid was saying 
seems to be the hardest thing to get this one man removed from our faces every day. Yes. It. What the heck? And he does represent what the uh, quote-unquote Republicans have been uh, hoping for a total fascist state. <laughs> And he's looking like a clown every day. I mean, mother, he's incontinent. He wears a diaper. <laughs> what did I say? What can you say? We could say a lot. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it to Bill Maher. Oh, no, please. He wants a fascist state the way he's talking. Oh, we have not listened to him in for so long. We could say that as we are watching, experiencing these moments that do not make sense. It is of our best interest to send more love because things will balance themselves out. Part of the natural cycles as we go from one. Mother, I don't think there's anything natural about genocide. Nothing natural about that. Now, we're we, talking about talk about genocide. It's been that uh, Fauci and friends. I mean, taking the planet from seven and a half billion to three and a half billion in a couple of years. Yes, fudging the numbers. That's the Holocaust. As I'm remembering Rainbird called it what it was. It is. Yes. And it's the media. Time for it all to fade away. That's what the sun is doing at this present moment. Raising the energies up that as you can handle it in the kitchen, it's a nice day in the hood. As John Lennon said, if you want it. If you want it. The majority of the planet wants peace. Whether they know it or not. Well, they're saying the majority of the people in the United States want fascism. That's illogical. <laughs> A majority of the people are illogical at the moment. They are indeed. Um, that's why... A few friends have shown up, not just a few. All of heaven is here 
at this time. And it is the need of the hour, as it has been said. And I understand that St. Germain's, this is his quote-unquote, his call. It is. We wish we could tell you the timing. We cannot. He is a master at these events. He's been doing it a very long time always gets it right. It's... Well, it doesn't feel so good to have this maniac over there, but we're going to listen to some speeches tomorrow. Yes. Things are moving along to quell the violence, even though it is continuing. Well, I understand on Monday there should be a, a ceasefire declared yet for six weeks, they said. Uh, That's ridiculous. Let's say they are not as close as they need to be. And it is about the shift in energies as more countries are joining South Africa. Things are moving quite fast. And we could say the circumstances, the need of the hour outweigh the bickering. Oh, Bernie Sanders is up there. The U.S. is to airdrop food and supplies into Gaza. Yes. The U.S. And Egypt has been doing the same. Not hearing about it. This Propaganda machine called the media. There are many good things going on across this planet. All of it is about ascension frequencies pouring in. It is the most perfect time to be here on this planet and at the same moment the most dangerous precarious what could we describe we we made this choice to be here now to see it through even though you could call us crazy. It's because at this time with the amount of light pouring in and the intensity 
there can be a shift and we the hundred and forty four thousand times ten hundred thousand times ten hundred thousand has to be here to make this a reality. I wanted to just read this, Mother. I just saw this here. It's from the Washington Post. And the head, the, the top of the, the headline is said, Desperation and Death Surround an Aid Delivery in Northern Gaza. It was hunger that drove Ibrahim al-Rifi from his house in Gaza City at 2 in the morning, Thursday. It had been months since he could find bread for his wife and daughters in war-ravaged northern Gaza. Flour sold for close to $1,000 a bag. And even the animal feed many had turned to was running out. Some people are eating grass, the United Nations has said. Uh, what? It is about this. Systematic ideas about controlling one group of folks over another. And one madman having the reins to do it. And being backed up by all false stories of false gods. Being backed up of false stories. What can you give me an example of what you're saying, Mother? The ideas that the Zionists preach and the concept that these people are the chosen people. Every person on this planet, like Patty, describes is the chosen purple person yes yeah and the purple violet flame light that's pouring in is changing this reality even though they don't talk about that yet it is plain as day with the different rainbow colors in the sky and things being seen that have never been seen here. It is the wake-up call that has to happen. It's unfolding as we speak. Blaze the violet fire. Thank you, Mother. Blaze the violet fire. Even though it looks like the last day of life in Mordor, there is so much light pouring in from all the sons and daughters of Most High.
the Most High. We speak of the planets in of themselves, sons and daughters of the Most High. These temples are vessels to radiate that energy out as sons and daughters of the Most High. It's a struggle, so to speak, with how we must change our thought forms of confinement rather than expansion. The limitlessness oneness of no time as you step out of the matrix you can see what is unfolding it is magnificent to behold yet the grip of this old story is being loosened more and more. Gotta send more love. That's how we get through it. Greetings in, in the, the light, light of the most radiant love. In uh, oh, greetings. Uh, it's the Kadosh. Kadosh. Kadosh, Adonai, Shabbayim. Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Shabbayim. Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Shabbayim. Remember, we have already won. We have, Mother, we have. Moment, Tito, everybody. Hello, Rama. Yes. How are you doing? <sighs> Where have you been? Mm. 
I have I have been I have been in one of the briefing rooms on the New Jerusalem. Oh. Quite a hustle and bustle going on. Who was there with you? Many dignitaries from many galactic civilizations throughout the various galaxies that are let's say, moving heaven and earth to stop the violence here. And I don't know what they were talking about. It, you were there and you didn't, couldn't hear I what they were saying? I couldn't quite hear what was being said. Oh, you weren't part of the... I wasn't part of it. I was observing, but I couldn't quite hear. How'd you get there? Um, I just seem to drift in. <laughs> That's all I could say. To give you a sense of that there is... Just a sense of the urgency of now. Yeah. That this is no longer um, down the road. It's right now. I could say that. Well, that's good. Place of violent fire. Yes. I was going to play this. I just saw this with Bernie Sanders on Alex Wagner. And while that's going on, I would say pull the economic, I mean, uh, oh. what's his name up there on that? Uh, what's his name? R.J. Escal. Oh, I don't know if I could find that on Oh, here. that's on there. Totally. Um. Yes, it's up there. Um, let me just one minute. I will find it here. It's called the Zero Hour. That's what it's called. With R. J. Escow, E. S. K. O. W. Yes. All right. And in the meantime, I'm just gonna move this microphone where it can be heard. And here we go with this little thing here. No excuses, because the truth is, aid flowing to Gaza is nowhere nearly enough. Now, it's nowhere nearly enough. And it's the lives on the line of trying to pull out every stop we can. President Biden earlier today announced that the United States will airdrop food and aid supplies into Gaza as U.N. officials say that a quarter of the population, that is over 500,000 people, are one step away from famine. President Biden's announcement comes one day after Israeli forces are accused of opening fire on a crowd of Palestinians waiting for aid in Gaza City. The Israeli military denies firing on people seeking aid and says many of the dead were killed by stampeding crowds. At least 100 people were killed in that incident, according to the Palestinian Health Ministry, although the Israeli military disputes that number. The incident has nonetheless drawn international condemnation against a backdrop of more than 30,000 people killed in Gaza since the war began, again, according to the Palestinian Health Ministry. This war is a source of domestic concern as well. This week during Michigan's presidential primary, young people and Arab American voters made clear their dissatisfaction with this White House position on Israel and Gaza, as more than 100,000 voted uncommitted in the Democratic primary. 
Joining me now is Senator Bernie Sanders. He is also the author of the New York Times best-selling book, It Is Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, which is out now in paperback. Senator Sanders, it's great. It's a pleasure to have you in New York City. Um, I know that you have been openly advocated for this White House to do something immediate to help the people of Gaza, food and aid. They have apparently done that. Can you talk a little bit about how receptive the White House and the administration have been to outside pressure? Well, I think first of all, this is something, Alex, they've been thinking about for a while. Because what they see, what you see, what I see is almost an unprecedented humanitarian disaster. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of children facing starvation. We're talking about Israeli bombs making it impossible for humanitarian aid to get to places that is needed, uh, that the borders are being uh, blockaded uh, and, and aid is unable to get through. So I think what the president is doing is an important step forward, but we need to do more. We need to tell Netanyahu and his right wing government that they're gonna have to open those borders. The United States of America, and I think the rest of the industry, the rest of the world is not going to allow hundreds of thousands of kids to starve to death. So we need a new approach to Israel for many, many years. We have given them a lot of money. Recently, there was a vote. I voted against it to give them another $14 billion. My view, not only nickel for Netanyahu's government, uh, if he's going to continue this wholesale slaughter of the Palestinian people. That's the thing I can't really reconcile, right? We're airdropping aid. At the same time as the U.S. is sending weapons of war over to Israel, I mean, how do you recognize? How do you reconcile that? Is the right hand not talking to the left hand? You can't reconcile it. It's totally absurd. And on top of that, look, the airdrops are very important, but that is not as important as opening up the borders because you're going to need hundreds and hundreds of trucks every single day. And our message to Netanyahu, you know what? You're not going to get another nickel unless you open those borders and prevent the starvation, which is imminent. You say it's your message to Netanyahu, but I wonder if it's not also the message to President Biden, right? I mean, I have to read this passage because I think, you know, we don't cover Gaza every day. It is an ongoing, appalling situation. And this is what's happening for people who have tuned this out for domestic politics, which, of course, are important as well. But listen to this. It was hunger that drove Ibrahim al-Rifi from his house in Gaza at two in the morning on Thursday. It had been months since he could find bread for his wife and daughters in war-ravaged northern Gaza. Flour sold for close to $1,000 a bag. And even the animal feed many had turned to was running out. Some people are eating grass, according to the United Nations. It is an unprecedented disaster, Alex. I mean, it makes my stomach turn when you think about it. And by the way, there are children right now who are suffering from severe malnutrition who will suffer permanent damage. If all the food in the world came in tomorrow, they have already been permanently damaged. So the word has got to go out that we must demand a total change in what Netanyahu is doing. We've got to put an end to this bloody war right now. Netanyahu and the Israeli government have got to start supporting the concept of a two-state solution so that maybe, maybe, there will finally be peace in that region. I, I got I mean, it seems like political pressure might be one thing to get the administration to take a more aggressive posture vis-a-vis -vis Netanyahu. And I wonder what you made of the results from the Michigan primary earlier this week. Over 100,000 people voting uncommitted as an effective protest vote against this administration. Well, it tells me, and I think it tells the White House, that there are large numbers of young people, large numbers 
of minority people, large numbers of Americans who are sick and tired of the slaughter of the Palestinian people. And again, this is not some distant thing. This is with our tax dollars. Those guns and the planes largely or significantly are paid for by U.S. tax yes. dollars. So the word is, again, I mean, we cannot continue to support this right-wing extremist government. No more money. We must demand the fundamental change of policy. Do you think that this could be an issue that can decide the 2020, if not entirely, you think this could be a deciding factor in the election? Well, I mean, people have got to know that, you know, Trump is, you know, even more pro-Israel than than Biden has been. But I think what you're going to see is a lot of young people, Mm -hmm. uh, people of color, uh, people of Arab descent saying, you know what? Uh, I don't like Trump, but I just am not going to come out and vote. So it could be decisive in that in that sense. There's some data that the Washington Post went through. It's exit polling data comparing Trump's support in 2024 versus his support in 2016 from these early primary states. And it looks like he's running the same this year as he did with Republican women in 2016. He's gotten a higher share of conservative voters and older voters. He has done slightly worse among young voters. So it seems if you're a Democratic strategist, you're someone running for president, which you have done before, and you know this, you know the landscape well, young voters are going to be really important for this Democratic president who's seeking to return to office for another four years. <clears throat> Do you have, I mean, is there a strategy you think, President, setting aside the immediate calls that you have articulated vis-a-vis uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, is there a strategy that President yeah. Biden should should be pursuing outside of that. There is. Look, I think President Biden, President Biden has established a good record over the last four years. There's a lot that he has to be proud of. You know, we took this country under his leadership out of the pandemic and the economic downturn from the pandemic a lot faster than people thought. We have started to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, we're putting more money into transforming our energy system and dealing with climate change. He's been a strong supporter of women's right to control their own bodies, et cetera, et cetera. He has a good record. But I think what he's got to talk to the American people about is an understanding that despite our accomplishments over the last three and a half years, ordinary Americans have been hurting for decades. We don't talk about it. Real inflation accounted for wages today, Alex, are lower than they were 50 years ago. We're seeing massive levels of inequality. The very, very rich are getting richer. 60% of our people continue to live paycheck to paycheck. We have a healthcare system, which is dysfunctional, childcare system, which is collapsing. Meanwhile, the people on top doing phenomenally well, corporate profits are soaring. I think the president has been good. He's been out on a picket line, striking workers for the first time in American history. I applaud him for that. He's got to get up there and say, look, I give me a second term, give me real democratic control over the House and the Senate. You know what? We're gonna take on the ruling class of this country, we're gonna take on greedy corporations, and we're gonna provide an economy that works for working people, not just the one percent. I think if he gets that message out, he can win this election. You know, the thing they're hung up on is his age, but nobody ever nobody ever brought up your age, nobody ever brings up your age. What's the secret? Well, I think we make a mistake. Age is one factor, Alex. But what's more important is what somebody does, what somebody stands for. Yeah. But That's I mean, you said, yeah, I guess I just, I don't, it's, it's a very fungible concept, this idea of too right. old. It's, you're impermeable. You can't touch Bernie Sanders. We're going to continue this conversation. 
it after a quick break. Please stay with me. Um, we're going to talk about Republican governance in a MAGA world. <laughs> That's not an oxymoron. As Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell prepares to step away and House Republicans do whatever it is that they decided to do. And coming up later, the new threat to in vitro fertilization is a problem the GOP should have seen coming and one that they have absolutely no idea how to fix. Stay with us. Okay, I think he's going to keep talking, and I'm not positive, but let's see before we separate this. Yeah, he's still there. Okay, just a second here. Call 1-800-459-3542. That's 1-800-459-3542, or order online at buyarmormax.com. <laughs> The yeas are 77, the nays are 13, and the bill is passed. That was the Senate last night kicking the can, if not down the road, then down the block. They passed a stopgap funding bill that President Biden signed this afternoon, and which delays a partial government shutdown for a whopping total of seven days. After that, there is yet another deadline later in the month, after which even more of the government money, which after more of the government runs out of money. For a fact with me now is Senator Bernie Sanders. Senator, what's it like trying to govern with a party that's not actually interested in governance? It is very distressing. I'll give you an example of it. Uh, I think most Americans know that our healthcare system is in disarray. It's outrageously expensive. We don't have enough doctors and nurses. People can't get an appointment, et cetera, et cetera. We tried. We really did on the committee. I'm chairman of the Health Education Labor Committee. We tried to do something big. We even had some Republican support. We tried to grow the number of doctors and nurses and mental health providers, tried to expand primary health care so people in all over the country could actually go to a doctor when they needed to rather end up in a hospital 10 times the cost. Shut down. Total opposition from Republicans, most Republicans, not all, despite the fact this would end up saving money by keeping people out of hospital. Bottom line is, you're right. Uh, they don't believe in the concept of government. At the end of the day, they'd like to see the corporate world take over even more of the functions of society. And that's the bottom line. Well, and that seems generous that, that they want anybody to take over the functions of society, because honestly, it feels like social Darwinism to a certain no, degree, no, no. right? They want to privatize Social Security, yeah. want to privatize Medicare, privatize the Veterans Administration, privatize public education, the post office. That is their ultimate goal. They're not happy that three people are more wealthy than the bottom half of American society. Apparently, that's too fair. They want to make it even more unequal. There's been a lot of hagiography around the retirement of Mitch McConnell from Senate leadership. And I wonder, as someone who works with the, the man and has seen of late um, his position on important matters, what you think of his departure and what the implications are for the Republican Party. I think it's going to be, he is an old-time Republican, mm -hmm. and he's, to his credit, spoken up against Trump now and then. Um, that, that's, that alone feels like right. but quite, that's quite too generous. Liberal. Yeah, right. And um, I think he will be replaced by somebody further to the right, somebody who will be close, more closely attached to Trump. Do you, I mean, I have to say on a week like this where we're talking about just like absolutely appalling conditions in Gaza, we're looking at the funeral of Alexei Navalny, we're looking at, you know, the seeming evaporation of holding Trump uh, criminally accountable for his actions, you know, in addition to the rest of the landscape. You forgot about climate change. Well, I mean, that's just an ongoing trauma that we're <laughs> living through, right? Do you, does this moment 
do you do you have a, 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 a sort of core of optimism in a moment like this, or how do you look at the broader sort of American and global landscape? Look, I have had the privilege, as you mentioned, of running for president, which means that I've been to every state in this country. I've talked to many, many thousands of people, young people, old people, working class people. And what I want to tell you is the people are far, far, far more decent than the government they have that's representing them. Almost everybody out there says, you know what? Healthcare should be a human right. Mm -hmm. Everybody out there says, hey, we gotta ask the billionaires to stop paying their fair share of taxes. People all over the world are not stupid. They see climate change taking place in front of their eyes. We have got to deal with it. We need to improve education. We need to change our national priorities, not spend 900 billion on the military, et cetera, et cetera. So where I am optimistic, having talked to zillions of people, is people want to make this country a lot more humane society, uh, and move away from the kind of oligarchic society that we have today. Okay, we're gonna leave it on that. Optimistic note. uplift from <laughs> Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, whose best-selling book, It Is Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, is out now in paperback. You can read it and be angry and then be hopeful about the change you may enact yourself. Senator, it's great to see you. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you. Still ahead this evening, while the vast majority of Americans are waiting for their lawmakers to do something to protect IVF access after the Alabama Supreme Court decided embryos are people, Republicans in D.C. have done approximately nothing. Meanwhile, Republicans in Alabama are quoting scripture and vanilla ice. I'll explain. <laughs> Here we go. Same speed as mine. And I think we have this like deep connection, this heart connection in your heart that there's there's room for me and mom. When I'm holding her, it makes me feel calmer. It's a sensory thing. It's a thing with Asperger's. She's really good with Anya. I've seen adults react to my daughter when she has meltdowns, like she's from a different planet. And this little animal just sat next to my child and was just like, you know, it's gonna be cool. She's messing with you When we adopted Lucky, we discovered all the wonderful things that make her unique. Lucky's a little bit of a lot of things, but mostly she's pure love. Zero Hour. I'm your host, Richard R.J. Escal. There's this saying you hear all the time. You'll hear people say, well, I hate to say I told you so. And the funny thing about it is nobody hates to say I told you so. People kind of like saying I told you so because it's self-affirming. It's vindication. Uh, I don't hate to say I told you so. I don't, I'm not addicted to it. But uh, I can enjoy it, particularly when it helps me make a point that I think is important, which hopefully I'm about to do now. When it comes to Boeing, the aircraft company, uh, this is my time to say, I told you so. Well, all of a sudden we're hearing, you know, there's an article I saw just recently from uh, uh, Forbes, how Boeing broke down inside the series of leadership failures that hobbled the airline giant. This is after the door blew up the plane and there were 
plane crashes, total 600 people were killed, other mistakes. Back in early 2020, I said we should nationalize it, or at least partially nationalize it, because they mismanaged themselves financially. It's time you guys listened and stopped rescuing incompetent corporate leaders. We'll be right back. And we are back on the zero hour. I, as always, am your host, Richard R.J. Escal. Joining me once again is Professor Richard Wolf. He needs no introduction, but I'll give one anyway. Economist, economic historian, host of the Economic Update on Free Speech TV, uh, Professor Emeritus at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, the visiting professor at New York University, and his latest book is The Sickness is the system. So first of all, Professor Wolf, welcome back to the Zero Hour. Thank you very much, Richard. I'm very glad to be here. Well, we're always glad to have you. And before we uh, went on the air, uh, you mentioned something about uh, a topic that's gotten a lot of conversation lately, but I'd be really curious about your take on it, and that is... Tucker Carlson's uh, visit to Russia and his interview with Vladimir Putin and the aftermath to that. And uh, I'm curious to know what your take is on that. Well, you know, I was struck by it, both by the interview, but even more what what I sense to be an evolution um, in Tucker Carlson. And given that he's a pretty important figure, at least in the world of journalism and, and, and public discourse in the United States, um, how he evolves may, uh, is a bit of a, of a clue as to where things are going politically in the United States. And so I, I paid attention to that. First on the interview. Uh, and here I'm reacting not just to the interview itself, but to the fact that Carlson was roundly criticized in the press for making this interview both before, during, and after it, uh, and has been on a dozen programs around the, the world of journalism, both inside the United States and outside ever since, uh, answering questions, uh, justifying, and defending himself. So I, I'm really responding to, to the whole event that this has now become. So first on the interview itself. Well, you know, a long-lasting interview, um, a journalist uh, a little bit in awe of the head of state, uh, partly because we are basically at war with this head of state, and he doesn't get interviewed, at least not here in the United States, hardly at all or ever. Um, and so it's interesting because you know the name and you know the importance, uh, but you've never really had a chance to see him. And the minute you reflect on that, you realize that that is kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. If you are in a proxy war, now over two years old, uh, with Russia through the Ukraine and all of that, uh, you would have thought that the normal rule of journalism would have been to interview a whole raft of the top officials of the other side, uh, let them make whatever case they want, uh, in order to inform the public, because in the end the United States is paying for a large part of that war, financially, militarily, 
and in lives lost. That's a little bit murky and secret, but we know enough to know that that's going on, etc., etc. So it's interesting. Why? Because we haven't had it. And I think Carlson is quite right to, to throw back at his critics, I'm a journalist, this is a major event, this war, and this is the leader of the other side asking him questions about a whole lot of issues, especially about the war, would be a reasonable thing to do for any journalist. And, and when you listen to uh, Tucker Carlson, not only is what he's saying correct and reasonable, but you're a little jarred because, you know, his image as a Fox News spokesperson being what it is, you didn't quite expect this kind of a defense. And it reminded me, as, as I am all the time, by that famous remark that the first casualty in every war is the truth, uh, which either goes back to an American senator named Hiram Johnson in World War One or way, way further back to the ancient Greeks, Aeschylus, and others who are quoted as having pretty much said the same thing. And so Mr. Tucker Carlson's on solid ground. He's bringing us the truth of the other perspective. And the minute you understand that, you realize why this interview struck so many people as problematic. Because the government, and, and by the way, people like Hillary Clinton and others, said it. They don't want him heard. They don't want him seen. They want the demonization, personalized demonization of Vladimir Putin to go uncontested. It must be constantly repeated, as they all do, without any notion that it is somewhere between silly and childish and useless to go about throwing nasty names at people you have a conflict with. It doesn't enhance the probability of the eventual compromise and negotiation that everybody knows will be involved here. I mean, this is really bizarre. And if you go outside the United States, and I spend a good bit of time reading uh, journalism in other parts of the world, uh, it's all very, very clear there. Nor was it lost on the rest of the world that watched this interview that in the same week that it happened, Russia solidified its ongoing victory, and let me say it real clearly for the American audience, over the Ukrainians. In, I don't know exactly how to pronounce the name of that town, but that was the definitive end as is recognized in most European newspapers, including in the countries that are opposed to Russia and that are allied with Ukraine. It's over. There may be more, there may be a horrible escalation in an attempt, but to this point, that war has been won, the Russians over the new uh, Ukrainians, which comes as a surprise only to people who don't know what's been going on. Uh, this has been called that way for months, if not for years, from the beginning, by many, many observers, including many Americans who, who go on the Internet and make the point. So basically, when you look at it, the interview is namby-pamby. You have, you have Mr. Putin 
pretty much presenting what you would know if you've been following, but would be shocking if you were a typical American. But that's a comment on the absence of proper news and journalism in the United States, not a comment on Mr. Carlson or, for that matter, on Mr. Putin. His original points, maybe two or three minor ones, in fact, the most original thing about it was the half-hour history lecture he gave at the beginning of the interview, which throws an interesting light, if only on the comparison of the erudition such a leader brings to his job, which clearly our leaders cannot and do not bring to theirs. But I'd rather focus on Carlson, not just on the interview, but on the clips that Carlson has shown in subsequent interviews. Many people have seen them. I'll describe them briefly. There's a clip of him going through a supermarket in Moscow, you know, throwing bananas in his little cart, buying things, and commenting on that experience briefly. There's another clip of him being taken down into the subway in Moscow and noticing how beautiful it is, how carefully designed, how impeccably clean, and so on. And coming out of Mr. Carlson are the following comments. I have been lied to. I have been led to believe that the United States was this super wealthy, super developed, super everything, and that the rest of the world was a pale, poor comparison. But it's not true. And when he says it, his eyes open up like a child's. They have a supermarket in Moscow. Can you believe it? And here it is, and it looks, feels, tastes, and smells like supermarkets do in the United States. And here I come into a subway that is way cleaner and way more elegant than anything that I've ever seen in the United States. And on and on. And, and then the questions start coming. Well, why didn't you challenge him? Uh, he, he killed Mr. Navalny, uh, because that was also happening at this time, the, the death of, of Navalny in a, in a Russian prison. And, and you can see Tucker Carlson mentally saying, okay, I am going to say what I have to say. He looks at the questioner, this one was in the Middle East, and he says, you know, I've learned something finally. The world isn't what I thought it was. The United States isn't the way I thought it was. Leaders kill people. He says that. All leaders kill people. My leaders, Biden, whoever else he has in mind, kill people. I'm not going to pretend that I live in a place where nobody, no bad things happen and we look at the rest of the world and marvel how bad things happen. I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, these are my words, not his right, words. Of course, yeah. But here's Mr. Cook saying, and he repeats this. I was born in 1969, he said. I lived in an America that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Well, very easy to show, as his critics have, that the America he thinks was there then wasn't. That there are lots of things he thinks were true then that weren't, and things that were true then that he doesn't understand. But I'm not interested in his historical accuracy. I'm interested in his story. He is a young man of the right-wing perception. He is coming to terms in his 
many years with the fact that the America he thought he lived in isn't the one he's actually living in. And that the world that that America inhabits isn't the way the world really is. He is disappointed. He is disillusioned. He feels betrayed. Why is this interesting? Because that's exactly my generation of the 1960s and 70s, who came of age having learned about how wonderful America was in our school and in our churches and in our communities, growing up and watching the newsreels of the Vietnam War and saying, we're burning villages, we're killing children, we're mass executing villages. This is not what we were led to expect. And because we were the generation that came after the Great Depression, when the left wing intellectually was dominant in the United States, whereas Tucker Carlson comes of age in the reaction to that, Reaganism and libertarianism are what pass for theory of society, he goes in that direction. He invents an, a wonderful old America that we should go back to, joins Trump in a MAGA revolution. But here's the reality that I find striking. He says of himself, Tucker Carlson, in these interviews, I am changing and I am changing fast. I am disillusioned, betrayed. These are beautiful cities, Moscow. We don't have them in America anymore. That's wrong, too. But it's not the point whether he's right or wrong. It's how he's constructing dichotomies and differences. He's making sense of the world. He's still holding on to the badness here is a good America has been despoiled by bad government. He's a libertarian. But he's already asking the question, why would the government do these bad things? You haven't explained anything if your explanation is the government. You've just led to the next question. Why is the government performing this way? And he's on the verge of asking. So now let me tell you why I find it interesting. Because if he goes further with this, he may end up surprising himself and us by crossing over and becoming a leftist, because he'll find it a better explanation for how and why the government undid those things from the 30s and 40s with such intensity over the last 50 years. And he'll have a whole new way of understanding his own disappointment that the subways in uh, uh, Moscow are way better than the subway here in New York that he's familiar with. I think it's remarkable, and my guess is Tucker Carlson isn't the only one, and that there are many others who, even from that interview with Mr. Putin, realize they have their reasons for doing what they're doing. We don't have to agree with them. We can disagree. We can have our own view. But our own view would be better grounded if it understood theirs, understood our countries, and came to a decision about what you thought yourself, rather than being 
protected from that other point of view while you busily demonize it. It is a sign of the decline of the self-confidence of the United States. And Tucker Carlson owes it, sees it, and can identify it. And that makes what's happening to him interesting far beyond the particulars of him as an individual. I have thoughts. I have many thoughts. Okay, and and, and uh, let me start with this. Uh, Tucker, I was actually on his program many years ago, but Tucker Carlson, uh, first of all, people will say, and I can't prove one way or another that uh, that Wolf and Escal are deluded if they don't think that Tucker Carlson is just putting on an act. Uh, my answer to that is, it doesn't matter. Because either he's sincerely going through this process of change, or he understands that his audience is going through a process of change and he's articulating it. Now, that's not something new for Tucker. He's been doing it for well over a year. I think he's, even though he was privately critical of Trump, I I think in a sense he's taking a cue from Trump's uh, pretense of economic populism, but I will have to. I have to say that, for example, about a year ago, uh, Dr. Carlson did a monologue about the problems in the United States and the in the farm communities and the cities. And it was, you know, go out, find the bridge nearest you, and tell me what kind of shape it's in, and all that. Where he articulated what should have been a left position better than I, I've heard any left commentator do it. Now, people will say he's on the tape with Putin or, you know, again, that's really not the point. The point is, of course, we should be seeing interviews with the person who has been identified as our country's main adversary. But instead, what we've heard, uh, you know, when you mentioned that, that aphorism, truth is the first casualty of war, I'm beginning to think sanity has become the first casualty of war. Because nowadays war comes with a kind of M.C. Escher-like cloud of rhetoric. And left is right and war is peace. And, and so, for example, I've heard a lot of people say, well, Tucker isn't really a journalist. To which I say, we don't get to decide that in a free society. If we really believe in the First Amendment and freedom of speech, and they're journalists, if someone says there are journalists reports on the news, whether we agree with them or not, whether we think they have a propensity to lie or not. Uh, and then, it, which gets to your question, why was it Tucker Carlson to do this interview and not CBS or NBC or PBS? Uh, so we have that piece of it. And I would say this unwillingness to, um, to even tolerate an interview with Putin, whatever he has to say. I, I, I felt that you know, Tucker lost control of the interview, and, you know, certainly, yes, Putin is well informed on history from his own perspective, uh, much more so than I suspect than our president is, but it doesn't, you know, still as an interviewer, you got to know a little bit about pacing. I think you're right, Tucker was intimidated, but uh, to me, the idea that Tucker shouldn't have interviewed him, it's all a, pay, it's all a piece with you know, when I was working for Bernie Sanders and everybody was angry, a lot of Democrats were angry that he went on Fox because you don't talk to those people. It's like, of course you talk to those people. Those are the people you got to talk to if you want to win the election. Or uh, this 
immense hostility I hear from all sorts of you know, purportedly liberal folks toward negotiating with Putin. Well, he's a bad guy. He's an enemy. That's who you negotiate with. Like, you don't negotiate with people whose interests align with yours. You don't need to. Uh, now, I just want to point you to, in the context of that, uh, a couple things that I've written about recently. One was uh, a report from Political Magazine last month uh, from uh, inside sources in the Biden administration and in the European community that the Biden administration is quote-unquote quietly shifting toward uh, negotiations and the war, uh, which quote-unquote would likely mean giving up parts of Ukraine to Russia. Meanwhile, in other outlets, Putin reports, we're told, or other outlets report that Putin has quote-unquote quietly signaled that he's open to negotiations and political, which is hardly an edgy publication. You know, their sources are uh, elected officials. Uh, but I, 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 bear, bear with me just a minute. For Biden navigating the nearly, I'm quoting from them, navigating the nearly two-year-old war in the middle of a tough election campaign will, will, prove, will prove tricky at best. As it helps Ukraine shift to a more defensive posture, the Biden administration can't appear to be handing the advantage to Putin. Quote, a congressional official who's familiar with the administration's thinking said, quote, these discussions about peace talks are starting, but the administration can't back down publicly because of the political risk. In other words, and of course, the administration and Senate Democrats have just passed a $50 billion military aid package to Ukraine, along with about $12 billion in humanitarian aid. The World Bank says it needs $416 billion in humanitarian aid. But, okay, so, in other words, we have political considerations clouding all of this, and for lack of a better term, a kind of tribal blue-red division guiding, you know, well, Tucker's bad, so it doesn't matter. Putin's bad, so we don't have to listen to him. Putin's bad, so we don't have to negotiate with him. But eventually... They're going to roll out, a, you know, maybe there'll be a referendum in Donbass or whatever it is. But uh, this is why I call it all it's kind of MC Escher. You're walking up the stairs, all of a sudden you're going down the stairs. It's uh, You're getting multiple signals at once, but nothing is cognitive dissonance. The story that we're being presented by this administration and the leaders of this party uh, does not cohere. And when stories don't cohere, People look for one that for a story that does. And if, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson and by inference Trump tell a story that coheres, uh, that's going to shift the political momentum. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would only add the following. Your story has to cohere, but it also has to cohere, be compatible, correspond, whatever word you want with a certain portion of your lived experience, otherwise the cognitive dissonance interferes again and, and breaks it down. And the reality of American uh, political and economic life it is a disintegration. Tucker Carlson is right. The country isn't what it was. His way of describing that is not mine and I think is mistaken. But you have to have some. You have to have a, a story that coheres with also that feeling 
That's why MAGA is partly successful, because it's correct for many, many Americans, their economic situation, the quality of the job, the income of the job, the, 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 the real wage value of the job's income, all of those things are declining, together with a shrinkage of public service supports because of the governance financial crisis and on and on. Meanwhile, they're watching on television the billionaires do their sporting activities and they're subject to the same barrage of advertisement about how being a good American means living the American dream, which is tortuously being taken out of their reach. They are angry and you've got to tell a story about that. And my sense is that they keep searching and they can't do it. And it's driving them crazy and it's driving everybody else crazy. I mean, the immigration issue for me is, is a perfect example. On the one hand, you have a country that is trying to survive the most serious capitalist competition of its history, which is the People's Republic of China. For the first time in a century, the United States' dominance as the capitalist power of the world really has a competitor. All the signs are, are there. They have a GDP, not that much less than ours. They are now equal or ahead in all the most advanced technologies that exist in the world, etc., etc., etc. All right? A population four times larger. They are already a bigger factor in a dozen industries and so forth. So you have to compete. But you have a problem. You have a falling birth rate and you have a, a, a falling longevity. The old people are dying sooner and the young people are not having babies. You've got a problem, and the population is getting older. The solution everywhere in the world is immigration. The problem is when you bring mass immigration, you are doing it in a way that threatens those who are here with loss of job, loss of income, loss of value of neighborhood, whatever imagery they have. So you're torn in a contradiction. You've got to deal with that, but they are not. They're simply... Okay, we'll lurch. We, we, we'll stop immigration. Okay, then you'll force the businesses to leave the country. Well, we already had that under Trump. He was going to take us away from letting these companies leave the country and keep them here. Well, if they're going to be here, they'll need immigration. This pulling ball crazy back and forth, that's a sign of a system that is not only declining, but has lost the ability to produce coherent stories to get them through at least this crisis to the next one. And that only deepens the sense that it's all falling apart. And I, I watched Tucker Carlson and there was this moment of this arch right wing, whatever you want to call them, the journalist, fine with me, but having a moment where he himself is kind of momentarily caught up in these contradictions with no clear way out. Well, maybe we should invite him on to talk about socialism. But, you know, the, I, I, I've seen articles and so on that, you know, in, in past iterations of his career, that Tucker Carlson, for example, at Fox, sort of flirted with or openly endorsed this great replacement theory, supposedly that they're bringing in uh, immigrants to replace uh, 
I use the words you and me advisedly rhetorically, meaning like us white folks, I guess. And then this is a kind of a racist or nativist appeal to uh, xenophobia. And But it is also uh, part and parcel of what you're saying in terms of creating a narrative, however false, that... Oh, yeah, that's the problem. That's why my life stinks. That's why my community is riddled with addiction and poverty and you know, people won't have job, good jobs like they used to and my kids have a lower standard of living than me and, and you know, we could go to the schools uh, don't have enough money. And uh, ironically, by the way, uh, if we think about Russia and the United States in the days of the Soviet Union, supposedly, we were told, in 1962, Richard Nixon's Big rhetorical triumph was something called the kitchen debate with Christians, where he showed how the American housewives, because of that, those were the day of gender stereotyping, that the housewives of America had everything possible. And America's supermarkets were its pride and joy. And Norman Naylor wrote an essay in 1960 about a John F. Kennedy called Superman at the Supermarket. And part of it was if you recall that essay, part of it was, uh, um, he that. I was too young to read it at the time, but I did read it later. It, a part of that uh, essay was, uh, you know, about the symbolism of the American supermarket. So the outrage about Tucker Carlson uh, impressed with Moscow supermarkets was ironic to me, given that history, particularly when John Stewart, of all people, said, yeah, our, uh, I'm trying to remember it exactly, but it's our supermarkets may not be as good, but that, he said, is the literal price of freedom. Those were John Stewart's words, the liberal archive. So in other words, oh no, we can't have the great supermarkets that we had when John Kennedy was president, we had to sacrifice that. Uh, we had to send all our money to wars uh, on other parts of the world. That's the, that's the only way I can interpret his words, including with this guy that we don't want to talk to, don't want to see, don't want to hear from, just want to demonize with no palpable end in sight to doing it. So it seems to me, this is why it feels like an empty extra world to me, is that the the, the traditional, uh, however milquetoast, democratic liberalism of the last 60, 70 years has been replaced by this sort of uh, uh, subliminal, uh, and it's not, not always subliminal, uh, you know, war as peace uh, ideology. You think I'm off base? No, no. In fact, if we had time, I would want to talk about John Stewart. I thought that they, it could be... The, the, the riff he did attacking Carlson was a terrible demonstration of the limits of John Stewart and what he represents. Uh, let me give you the, the example that jumped out at me. He showed that clip of, of, uh, of um, Tucker Carlson being led into the subway and noticing how beautiful the Moscow subway is. So John Stewart sneers and says, he doesn't seem to know, Mr. Carlson, that dictatorships can mobilize resources for their pet projects and put them out there. And that's all that ever happened. That's why the subways look good in Moscow. And I, I realized 
John Stewart's a reasonably sophisticated person. That is so ignorant, what he just said there, that you have to, beyond the critique, and which is easy, I could show Mr. Stewart, which who, who knows what I'm about to say, that Moscow is not the only beautiful subway system in the world. I happen to know the French subway system. Oh, that's great. If you go to Paris, and you go, as all the tourists who go to Paris sooner or later do, use that subway, they will discover what a beautiful subway they can be. One that has rubber tires, one that doesn't blow up your, your ears when the train comes into the station, one that is clean, one that is well-maintained, one that on and on and on. You don't have to be in the Soviet Union. You don't have to be in a dictatorship to have a beautiful subway. Now, why would John Stewart make that mistake that somehow a beautiful subway representation of dictatorship? He is so eager, like Hillary Clinton and all the others, to, to live in a world that is shrinking, that doesn't conform, like Tucker Carlson says. To the image they used to have, good over here, bad over there, beautiful over here, ugly over there, rich over here, poor. It's not true anymore. It just isn't. And they don't know what to do. And so they rehash the old, even as was pointed out to me the other day, the language to define Putin is the language borrowed from the Cold War. Putin is reassimilated back to Stalin. If you read Putin's speeches inside Russia, he is the enemy of the Soviet Union. He presents himself as the person who overcame the detour Russia went through in its Soviet period. He's the anathema. He is the antithesis of all of that. But you get, we are the free world. I can't believe it. The same language. We are the non-authoritarian. In my generation, it was the non-totalitarian. This is a game. You can't even come up with new words. You live in the old, and this is as sure a sign of the decrepitude of the West as anything anyone has brought to my attention so far. I mean, it's, and for that reason, this interview keeps jumping to the foreground of my mind as an, a, a kind of epiphany. Whatever happens to Tucker Carlson, there is something going on here. That's why it's so stark that the evil Putin for the liberals, the reincarnation of the Cold War and free world versus bad, rich versus poor, since that's not the reality, they have to insist all the more and they have to excoriate the Tucker Carlson's, who would make, or the Trump, that Putin is not my ideal, not a person I support, I don't like his policies, what he did to the to that girl group of, of things, the first thing that I remember was really outrageous and so forth. No, he has to be made into a Stalin, not remembering that Stalin himself was made into a, a, a walking demon. This, this is crazy. Behavior, the behavior of people that are losing their sense. The United States negotiated with Lenin, with Trotsky, with Stalin, with Khrushchev. We can't negotiate with Putin. What are you talking about?
But this lazy mentality, the closer we get to nuclear war, the more urgent negotiation. But these people cannot see their way out. I mean, they know somewhere that, that nuclear war is, is an impossibility. But they do not understand, because they cannot, that they are caught in the downward spiral, which they are acting out, but still cannot confront sexually. It's the, it's the process of the anthropologist Gregory Bateson during the Cold War called schismogenesis, right, where one side entrenches in a position and then just everything is a reason to amplify it and it just escalates, except in this case I think it's more one-sided than, than what Bateson was describing. And I guess for me I'll, conclu- I'll conclude with this, Richard, both that you know, when I was eight or nine years old, I was a precocious little kid fascinated with futuristic things. So I went to the San Francisco Rapid Transit Authority because the BART trains that they were building looked super futuristic and I was excited about it. And for my mother used to laugh because for years afterwards they would send me investor brochures and things. They had no idea I was 10 years old. They thought I was, you know. Um, but the BART system was beautiful when it was built in San Francisco, mass transit, speaking of subways. The metro system in Washington, D.C. was beautiful when it was built. There was a time when, you know, for all of its faults and flaws and racism and so on, when the United States had a stake in the future in multiple senses of the word. It feels to me that this reaction, that's what dictators have, is not, you know, we can't have nice things because the price of our freedom is, to use your word, decrepitude, is depressing and and warped and wrong and it's just uh an invitation for a new ideology to come along and i just hope it's the right one and not the wrong one yeah and i'm not too sanguine about it i must tell you for me um i i am amazed at the ability of the right wing to be satisfied with the kind of sloppy, sloppy libertarianism, this sort of cheesy way of making the government the bad guy. I mean, I understand why you do that. It is the businessman's dream. It is the capitalist uh, orgasm, you know. You, you stick it to the workers and they get angry at the politician. Wow. wow. Now you can kick them again and they get more angry at politicians and they vote them out and bring the next one in. Meanwhile, you're kicking them. But for the capitalists, this is wonderful. We're free to do what we want. We've immobilized the government that was restricting us and they get all the blame. I mean, this is. But you know, like every other hustle, you keep using it, eventually it is understood, it is danced around and it does not work anymore, then what happens? I believe we're at that point. I think so, too. And, and uh, you know, unless uh, there's a Bernie-like, uh, you know, it's billionaires, which is true. I mean, there's got, uh, there's got to be a bad guy in there somewhere. There it is. And we know who they are uh, and, and what they represent. Uh, until that day comes along that we recognize what government can do for us rather than against us, we are in uh, deep trouble, I guess. Uh, but with that, uh, Richard Wolf, as always, a great pleasure talking with you. I'm sure we'll get some response to this conversation 
But as always, thanks for your insights, and as always, thanks for coming on the program. My pleasure, and maybe we'll be added to that list of uh, quote-unquote useful idiots that those who are the incarnation of that game enjoy calling the rest of us. Uh, bring it on, I say. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this. I'm Richard R.J.S. Gallon. This is The Zero Hour. In deciding to take up the issue of presidential immunity, the Supreme Court has effectively delayed the most far-reaching criminal case against Donald Trump, raising the real possibility that the trial in that case could be pushed back to late summer or fall, or possibly until after the presidential election. Were you shocked by the Supreme Court's decision to delay another Trump trial, possibly beyond the election? There may be a solution for you. Pills. I don't know exactly which ones, but we all need to be on something if we're going to make it to November without this man being held accountable for his lifelong criminal spree. Ask your doctor about pills. He'll say, which pills are you talking about? You say, I don't know. All of them? Just give me pills. Is it legal to make a commercial advertising all pills? Probably not, but apparently you can break the law and get away with it. I took pills right before recording this commercial, and oh, I've never felt better. Pills, easier to swallow than reality. Night-night. Supreme Court. Because this morning, when I excitedly ran down to open my leap presents under the time tree, I found out the Supreme Court has decided to hear Trump's immunity claim, further delaying his January 6th trial in the landmark case of People versus Do Laws Matter? Seriously, what is going on? Justice deferred is just as gutted like a fish and thrown in the river for chum. One more of these steaming turds, and I swear to God, on the ghost of John Marshall, I will drive to Washington and rub my ass on your gavel. December 11th, on December 11th, Jack Smith begged the Supreme Court to rule on this issue in a timely manner because this case is critical to our democracy. The justices replied, we don't feel like it, <laughs> and sent the issue down to an appeals court. That court ruled against Trump vigorously and unanimously. Trump appealed, and for 16 days, SCOTUS didn't say jack 
until yesterday. But even then, it was merely to schedule arguments for the week of April 22nd and say proceedings in the trial court would remain frozen. That makes it a total of 19 weeks of delays. These proceedings have been frozen for so long, they legally count as children in Alabama. (laughs) This is not a tough call. The appeals court ruled 3-0 against Trump's claim that presidents have total immunity from prosecution, rejecting his lawyer's claim that the former president could not have been prosecuted even if he ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival unless Trump were also impeached and convicted by the Senate. Kind of weird that SCOTUS feels the need to consider whether or not laws exist. (laughs) A quick reminder to the court, be careful how you rule on this one. Because SEAL Team 6 currently works for Joe Biden. (laughs) And remember the old saying, remember. Remember remember the Chinese proverb, revenge is a dish best served old. (laughs) And it gets worse because the uh, oral arguments are in April, but court watchers don't expect a decision until June. And the trial judge has promised the defense 88 days after that to prepare, meaning the trial could now be delayed until late September or October, plunging the proceedings into the heart of the election. That is terrible news for democracy, but fantastic news for television. <laughs> All of the plot lines will come together at once for the thrilling conclusion of America. We've got the trial of the century alongside the most important election of our lifetime, followed by the season two premiere of Tracker. Tracker, he'll find your keys. Turns out they were in yesterday's pants. Now. I wonder if the justices, I really do sincerely wonder if these justices, specifically John Roberts, realize just how damaging to the court's legacy they're stalling over this urgent threat to our democracy is. And that legacy doesn't have far to fall at this point. In one poll, just 18% of Americans said they have a great deal of confidence in the court. That's less trust than Americans place in Chet's warm shrimp and mayonnaise emporium. <laughs> you know their slogan, when you're here, you're who? <laughs> The, um, the Supreme Court Supreme Court gains all of its legitimacy and all of its power from public approval. They don't have an army or a police force or apparently an HR department. <laughs> they have to rely on moral authority, but they have abdicated that moral authority, which is why tonight, using the power vested in me as a late night host, I am hereby declaring the Supreme Court unconstitutional. <laughs> this decision lightly, but I'm here to say that their decisions are henceforth, henceforth, <laughs> I don't take it lightly, nor is it easy to say. <laughs> their decisions are henceforth null and void because they are poo heads <laughs> and completely divorced from what the people they serve want and divorced from reality. In Dobbs, the court stripped women of their rights and to justify it, Sam Alito cited a 17th century witch hunter 
Evidently, he believes medical decisions are between a woman, her doctor, and the mischievous imp who inflamed her loins with his alluring pan flute. <laughs> some news from uh, Trump's uh, civil fraud trial. The clock is ticking on him coughing up the $454 million penalty, compounding every day. And he's been trying to delay. But yesterday, his request to halt paying the full amount was denied by a New York judge. Sorry, Don, you got to come up with half a bill pronto. As we stand in New York, start selling more shoes. <laughs> Trump's, uh, Trump's lawyers tried to get the judge to accept a cheaper deal by proposing to put up $100 million instead. You can't barter with a court ruling. Your Honor, I know that you sentenced my client to be hanged until dead, but what if we just choked him until he got aroused? It's <laughs> something, it's something. Trump's lawyers argued that he can't post the full bond because he doesn't have the money without selling a building. Then sell a building, bitch. (laughs) 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 Sell Trump Tower, okay? New York can redevelop it. First floor, weed store. Second floor, weed store. Third floor, pet groomer. That sells weed. (laughs) Now, no surprise, Donald Trump is already doing some shady stuff to avoid paying off this fine. New York's attorney general claims that he's been quietly moving his assets to Florida. But thankfully, we know where he hides everything in Florida. Just check the Mar-a-Lago bathroom. (laughs) That's a big bathroom. That's a really big bathroom. Yesterday, President Biden had his annual physical exam, and good news, he's alive. John <laughs> Stewart, you owe me five bucks. <laughs> the White House physician wrote a summary of the president's health and said, Joe Biden is fit for duty, and described him as healthy, active, and robust. In stark contrast with the former president, who was unhealthy, inactive, and robusted. <laughs> We also, we also got a list of all the medications Joe Biden takes for allergies, uh, blood pressure, and heartburn. They're all pretty common. Eliquis, Crestor, Dimista, Allegra, Pepsid, and Nexium. Thanks, Joe. I believe that's every one of our sponsors. <laughs> now, the doctors... The doctors... The doctors, the doctors, the doctors also gave Biden an extremely detailed neurologic exam, which they call reassuring. (laughs) And they determined that he didn't need a cognitive exam, which is good because they only give you one of those if they're worried. In fact, the doctor wrote, patient exhibits excellent memory, including photographic recollection of the barrel candy available at the Scranton Five and Dime in 1958. No detail skipped, physician missed lunch break. Of course, that did not stop Trump from complaining. He posted on his stupid website, Crooked Joe Biden must take a cognitive test, dot, dot, dot. I took two of them and aced them both. No mistake. 
not the flex that you think it is. People are constantly asking me to prove I don't have dementia, and I always ace it. I ace day of the week, how many fingers, and then they asked me who's the president of the United States. I said, this guy, and then they said, give him another cognitive test. Well, <laughs> now, off his doctor visit, Joe made a visit to the southern border. Uh, one issue, it's the same day that Donald Trump already scheduled a border trip. Awkward. <laughs> Even worse, they were both wearing the same thing. Gold bond medicated powder. <laughs> uh, Trump's getting a little help in his 2024 campaign uh, from his son, Don Jr., who was calling for a massive voter turnout. He tweeted, in 2024, we need all of the above voter strategy. That means voter registration at gun shows, concerts, UFC fights, and even in Amish country. <laughs> One of those things is not like the others. We gotta get everyone, bro. Gun nuts with a thousand AKs, kickboxing psychos, and the peaceful guys with the chin beards who hate zippers. <laughs> you got a problem, bro? You wanna go? <laughs> Come on. When it comes, because I'll go right now. <laughs> when it comes to admiring the Amish, uh, Don Jr. is no Jedediah come lately. Earlier this year, an Amish farm was raided for selling raw milk that resulted in foodborne illnesses, and Jr. was pissed, tweeting that police should not be going after farmers selling to their neighbors, adding, can I be the only person sick of this I get what you're doing, but I'm not sure the best way to reach the Amish is the internet. <laughs> Unless you go to their top social media sites, Milk Top and Face Barn. We have a great show for you tonight. Okay. I am going to read the Tom Hartman. Um daily take for today uh, some serious more serious but uh, he said it's time to yeah declare the Supreme Court on unconstitutional that was a good one okay so this is the this is uh, the Daily Take um, title. Is it time to hold possible co-conspirator Ginny Thomas accountable? <laughs> Will Jack Smith and the Department of Justice do battle against Ginny Thomas and a group of people who are openly working to manipulate our system to the benefit of Trump? and his fascist cronies. Now that Republicans on the Supreme Court have forced a pause in Donald Trump's federal trial for trying to overthrow the government of the United States and install himself as dictator for life, Jack Smith and his team may have a little time on their hands. And I'll turn the page. 
respectfully, I suggest, I would suggest that this may be a great time to dust off his identification of Trump's <coughs> six main co-conspirators and roll out indictments against each of them. None were pres were presidents, so even as Trump did have, quote, total immunity for life, they are all vulnerable to immediate prosecution. Of the six co-conspirators, we are called out, uh, who were called out, excuse me, in Jack Smith's indictment of Trump, the media have figured out the identities of five of them with a pretty high level of certainty. Believe, they are believed to be Rudy Giuliani, number one, John Eastman, number two, Sidney Powell, number three, Jeffrey Clark, number four, and Kenneth Chesbro, number five. The sixth one is more ambiguous perhaps intentionally by, Jim, by Smith's team because of the potentially explosive political ramifications. Many people believe in Ginny Tom, it's Ginny Thomas, the notorious wife of the most corrupt Supreme Court justice in over a century, other possibilities include Steve Bannon, Peter Navarro, Moscow-born Boris Epstein, that's a different Epstein, or Roger Stone. Co-conspirator number six is identified by Smith as a political consultant who helped implement a plan to, sub to submit fraudulent uh, slates, number six is the Ginny Thomas one, yeah, fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding, unquote. Ginny Thomas owns her own political consulting firm and was an open advocate for the fraudulent elector scheme. Thomas, Ginny, Ginny Thomas, also had access to the private phone numbers and emails for multiple senators and members of the House who she reached out to between the time Trump was declared the loser of the November 3rd, 2020 election, November 7th, and the insurrection attempt on January 6, 2021. As Jack Smith wrote, quote, Co-conspirator six attempted to confirm phone numbers for six United States senators whom the defendant, Trump, had directed co-conspirator number one, Giuliani, to call an attempt to enlist in further delaying certification, unquote. And sure enough, it appears that's exactly what Ginny Thomas was up to. Two days after the election, yet before it had been called for Biden, she sent a YouTube video entitled Drunk Sting with CIA Director Steve Pierzenich, the biggest election story in history. 
QFS blockchain to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Meadows. Uh, Pierzenek was a far-right crackpot who had previously claimed that Sandy Hook that Sandy Hook was a false flag operation. Absolutely not. Yet this video, which has since been taken down, claimed the election was stolen. Jenny Thomas wrote to Meadows about the video, quote, I hope this is true. Never heard anything like this before, or even a hint of it. Possible, possibly, watermarked ballots in over 12 states have been part of a huge Trump and military white hat sting operation in 12 key battleground states. She followed that up with a second message to Meadows. Quote, Biden crime family, which that's true too, everybody, sorry to say, and ballot fraud. Remember, Joe Biden ordered 9-11 to be done by CIA, what's his name? Forgot his name just now. But that he, he, he ordered that. That's not even been touched yet. Uh, Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators, elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake stream media reporters, etc., are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. Yet Jenny Thomas was just getting started. On November 19th, hours after Sidney Powell held a press conference to claim the election was stolen via voting machine fraud, Jenny Thomas texted Meadows, quote, suggestion, you need to buck up your team on the inside, Mark. The lower level insiders are scared, fearful, or sending out signals of hopelessness versus an awareness of the essential threat to America right now. You can buck them up, strengthen their spirits. Monica Crowley may have a sense of this from her Nixon days. After Meadows replied, Jenny Thomas wrote, you guys fold. The evil just moves fast down underneath you all. Lots of intensifying threats coming from, coming to ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, and others. As court case after court case went against Trump, and Republican officials in swing states like Georgia were speaking out loudly to say that Trump had indeed lost the election by a huge margin, Thomas continued her pressure campaign. On November 24th, she texted Meadows, I cannot see America, quote, I cannot see Americans swallowing the obvious fraud. 
just going with one more thing. Let me just turn the page. With no freaking consequences. The whole coup and now this. We just cave to people wanting Biden to be anointed. Many of us cannot continue the GOP charade. In January, after Vice President Pence refused to block the counting of electoral college votes for Joe Biden, and it was obvious to the whole world that Trump had lost by 7 million votes, she texted a somewhat, a, a somewhat having it both ways message, quote, we are living through what feels like the end of America. Most of us are disgusted with the vice president and are in a listening mode to see where to fight with our teams. Those who attack the Capitol are not representative of our great teams of patriots for DJT. Amazing times, the end of liberty. Donald J. Trump, okay. The indictment says that co-conspirator number six was involved in the fake election scheme. Jenny Thomas's involvement in that scheme apparently started immediately after the election, as the Washington Post noted, quote, new documents show that Jenny Thomas indeed used the platform to reach many lawmakers simultaneously. On November 9th, she sent identical emails to 20 members of the Arizona House and seven Arizona state senators. That represents more than half of the Republican members of the state legislature at the time. The message, just days after media organizations called the race for Biden in Arizona, and nationwide urged lawmakers to, quote, stand strong in the face of political and media pressure, and claimed that the responsibility to choose electors was yours and yours alone. They had power to fight back against fraud and ensure that a clean slate of electors is chosen, the email said. Yet that was just the opening. Thomas spent weeks aggressively pushing the message that the election was stolen from Trump and the lawmakers must find a way to keep Trump in the White House. On December 13th, Thomas blasted out an email to 22 members of the United States House and one U.S. Senator. It, re it referenced a, a video that called on lawmakers to ignore voters and simply make Trump president for a second term. It read, from Ginny Thomas, uh, no, no, no reply, um, no, I'm trying to read this. No reply. A free. 
Uh, I can't read it. A free route? Uh, I don't know. A freer... A free roots. I don't know. Uh, dot com. Anyway, I just finished this here. Uh, this was sent December 13th, 2020 to Russell Bowers. The subject, lawmakers, please watch this video. Dear Representative Bowers, as state lawmakers, you have the constitutional power and authority to protect the integrity of our elections. And we need you to exercise that power now. Never before in our nation's history have our elections been so threatened by fraud and unconstitutional procedures. That is why the nation's eyes are now on you. Before you choose your state's electors, I ask you to do two things. One, please watch this two-minute video, YouTube.com. Um, watch and see. And then two, please consider what will happen to the nation we all love if you do not stand up and lead. Thank you, Jenny Thomas. Okay, we got Rainberg with us. <laughs> Um, then uh, Tom says Tom Hartman says indicating <clears throat> excuse me indicting these six Trump co-conspirators would not only keep the, the story of their openly criminal and arguably traitorous activity in the front of the nation's consciousness it would also satisfy the simple demand of justice that criminals, particularly criminals who tried to take down our government, were held to account, are held to account. And even as Jenny Thomas was not co-conspirator number six, her case still requires a serious examination by the FBI and DOJ. She was clearly, by her own words, in the thick of the fake elector scheme, which was a blatant felony. This would also inform the Republicans on the Supreme Court, who just tied a metaphorical rope to Jack Smith's ankle and tossed the anvil on the other end into a lake, that we are all paying attention to their treachery. Smith and the Department of Justice are not without tools and resources right now. The question is whether they are willing to do battle with a group of people who are openly working to manipulate the system to the benefit of Trump and his fascist cronies. It is time for Smith and company to up their game. That's the end of that one. And, okay, this is uh, just a little bit about the day out of time. This is by Grandmother Chandra, I believe. I'm not correct. So here we go with this. Um, oh, Jocelyn Starfeather. Excuse me. <laughs> Certainly different. Happy Leap Day. Welcome 
to infinite possibilities. Happy February 29th. This is a magical day, which only occurs once every four years. In a logical sense, this day is an interesting re result of our modern timekeeping time systems and a practical way of accounting for the fact that each year is actually 364 and one quarter days long. Every ancient culture has a unique way of handling that fact that our day cycles do not line up exactly with the our annual cycle. In ancient Egypt, that year, their year was 360 days, which corresponds to the 360-degree arc of the sky, with each day matched to a particular segment of the cosmos. Each 360, let's turn the page here, each 360-day year ended with an additional five days out of time in which the five key Neturu, Osiris, Isis, Set, Nephthys, and Horus, the Elder, were birthed from the sky goddess Newt. One of them was born each day. The five days out of time were arranged by Thoth, which who was Katumi, everybody, who used his magic to trick the sun, to trick the sun god Ra into allowing this bending of time to occur. February 29th is a day out of time. It is a time bending, a leap day, and this one is certainly happening in a momentous year when we will have many upcoming chances to take a big leap. I explain more about this 2024 big leap and how we can receive the benefits from it in my astrology forecast video, quote, the most important transits of powerful year 2024. So, on this special and rare day, I invite you to think outside the box. What kind of big leap are you longing to take in your life? February 29th is a beautiful day to dream into your leap. And 2024 is an amazing year to carry it out receiving miraculous gifts from the cosmos at every leap, at every step. This day is also an extremely powerful time to say the alchemical prayer. This prayer was given to me by guides when I had been working with alchemy for a few years. And the instructions are, say it three times a day, every day with the palms of your hands raised up toward the sun. You are invited to say it. Um, you are invited to say it too. Really allow yourself to feel the emotions that stir within you. 
as you say the words aloud and sense the vast cosmic possibilities opening to you. The alchemical prayer, dear universe, please send me all of the things that I need and most deeply desire that I do not even yet know are possible. This prayer is pure magic because it allows us to step beyond any mind-based blocks or perceived limitations. The prayer reveals to us that what we understand about our lives our life is only a tiny little bit of the larger miraculous puzzle of who we really are and that God, Goddess, Universe, Divine Intelligence has a much greater plan for us than we could possibly believe. All we need to do is open our hearts and minds to receive the vast blessings coming our way. My life has shifted significantly since I began saying this prayer regularly. I invite you to say it every day as well, starting today, February 29th. Shift, okay, well, one day passed, but shift your own timelines and take your big leap. Speaking of miraculous opportunities, I want to be sure that you know about the upcoming wonderful course oh, that I will be presenting starting on March 8th. It's called The Flight of the Birds, The Light of the Stars, How to Bring the Heavenly Realms into Your Daily Life, March 8th to April 5th, 2024. Okay. Um, when we gaze at a bird in flight, we can feel ourselves flying. When we gaze at a bright night, nighttime star, we can feel that star's multidimensional light infusing into our own light-filled aura. You are invited to this course to let the birds and stars light up the codes, keys, and pathways for you. Okay, uh, this is my, uh, let's see, um, huh, was looking for the prayer after all that, hmm. what can I say, hmm, Okay, we did that. This is for Aurora Ray. You are not this body. You are a being of unimaginable powers. Yet to be discovered by you, there is nothing you aren't capable of. Yet you need to practice the correct technology to awaken your inherent God powers. The divine plan unfolds. As we enter the Aquarian age, these, these secret teachings reshape our reality. 
turn the page here. What we will do this year, the next three, four, five, or six months, is incredibly important for the next 20 years of our lives. The way we behave, feel, think, and the actions we take, along with our habits, determine the quality of our lives for the next 20 years. In our Kundalini lineage, we say that it is your good karma that allows you to find these sacred teachings within this lifetime. Because these teachings are 10,000 years old, or they are actually older than that, yet on our planet, on Earth, they are 10,000 years old. Yet it is your good karma that within this lifetime determines whether you find these teachings. And the name of these teachings is the teachings for the Aquarian age, for the Aquarian age. This is what they, are, they have always been. As you want happiness, you must have discipline. It will give you character. From character, you gain dignity. And that is the path to divinity and grace. This is the journey to become a creator God. And this is what 5D ascension means. When you commit to discipline, you gain control over your mind. The more you give of yourself to a committed spiritual practice, the more control you gain. As you obey this universal law, the universe will obey your command. You are not this body. You are a being of unimaginable powers, yet to be discovered by you. There is nothing you aren't capable of, yet you need to practice the correct technology to awaken your inherent God powers. The ancient Kundalini technology provides us with every tool we need to bring our wildest dreams into life, to life. It was created to turn humans into superhumans, and as it often referred, as it is often referred to as the teachings of the age of Aquarius, and as you need to be fixed, it will fix you first. It is not only the most powerful, yet also fun. After all, life is about the experience of joy. And these tools will make you feel very happy and peaceful. We breathe, pray, chant, sing, meditate, dance, do yogic exercises to shift into other dimensions instantly. In the ancient Kundalini technology, we have tools that change your life, your entire life. Faster than anything else. First, you will experience an elevated frequency instantly. From here, energetic expansion begins. Soon after, 
in a remarkably short period, you will notice a profound transformation taking place. You will gain a newfound sense of confidence, radiate with inner light, exude magnetism, and ultimately achieve victory in various aspects of your life. What you put in is what you get out. The universe is here to serve you. Remember that. There are no desires you are not worthy of. Only desires you aren't willing to achieve yet. In the Piscean Age, we learn through information. In the Aquarian Age that we have entered, we learn through the experience of energy. And the experience will teach you. That experience will be yours forever. And you will no longer have to rely on the mental interpretation of someone seeking fame on the internet. Information is just a click away. Everyone has information nowadays. What you need is energy and an experience. We believe that energy is transferred by sound and that the body must be prepared to hold these higher frequencies. 5D is a frequency. Let's tune in. Are you ready to awaken dormant energies and experience profound personal growth? Join me as we delve into ancient practices and teachings that have the power to revolutionize your life. Whether you seek spiritual enlightenment, physical well-being, or emotional balance, this teaching offers a path to fulfillment and empowerment. As you want to achieve superhuman status, and learn the 10,000 year old secret ascension activation technique from the from me personally in live classes start starting March 4th put your name on the waitlist we love you dearly we are here with you we are your family of light we are the Galactic Federation okay what shall I say Lord Rama Lord Rama. <laughs> okay, I am going to first and foremost pass this talking stick to you, Rainbird, and I'm going to nudge Rama here in just a second. Here it comes with all the angels, fairies, feathers, rainbows, crystals. Are you there? Here, Rainbird. I am here. You are that you are here. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. And, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for tonight and everything we did. And <laughs> so much gratitude that we gathered this week, this way each week. And looking forward to this afternoon doing it some more. And, uh, yeah, lots of gratitude for all the, all the people out there working for the shift and integrating the shift in our bodies and, doing our stuff so thank you everyone yeah i pass the talking stick back to you tar in case rama's not awake yet oh no he's there 
to bright eyed and bushy tail. Hi, you are you bright eyed and bushy tailed, Mama? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> righty. What do you got? To sh not that. No, this is a new song. You gotta say it much louder, honey, because oh. the heater's on there. Um, this is a new song from Snotnam Car. Okay, but you're gonna play the audio for Aurora Ray first, right? Yeah, let me get there. Mm. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Let's. Do, what's it called, honey? Um. The divine plan unfolds. Is that what it says on the bottom? Embracing the cosmic shift, experiencing consciousness expansion. All right. Let's do this five minutes. 34 seconds. Five minutes, 34 seconds. All right. Here we go. transforming into new human beings of light. Welcome to the new earth. This post is a guide for all of you who are experiencing your physical earthbound lives from a slightly higher perspective. As our divine spirits have incarnated here on this planet to learn and grow, we are now transitioning into being all that we truly are, divine beings of light who will be living out eternity here in the physical with others like us. Though it may seem at times that things are dire on this planet, know that millions of us have been working for centuries to bring about these changes. What you may view as bad in your life are areas where you need to learn to detach from limiting beliefs. These experiences are helping to make way for this new era where we will transcend the physical limitations of our current existence. As humans in linear time and space, it can be hard to understand how things work at this level but all is well and moving perfectly according to plan. A lot is going on at the moment with everyone and everything around us. As we collectively embrace the changes happening all across our planet, it's important to remember that each of us is part of a greater whole. It's easy to get caught up in how we're feeling as individuals or small groups. So now more than ever, we need to keep a broad perspective on what's really going on here. Labeling this era with terms like apocalypse or rebirth, while they might be apt descriptions of certain aspects, can also make things too confusing. The reality is that we're changing and shifting into new beings right along with everything else around us. Some spiritual traditions have referred to this process as transcending the physical plane, entering higher dimensions, or vibrating into another frequency of existence, but no matter what you call it, each of these shifts has been taking place from the beginning of time until now and will continue into perpetuity. What better way for us human beings to become accustomed to this major transition than to welcome it? In fact, I'd argue that welcoming these changes is essential for our survival as a species. It isn't just about surviving. We're also thriving during this time. Surviving physically sucks compared with thriving on all levels, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, energetically, you get the picture. All four kingdoms, plant, animal, 
mineral and human are being energized and brought back into alignment through these phases. If you've had any intuitive nudges lately about your purpose in life, or even if you haven't, know that they're coming from your soul self as it awakens within your current body and mindset. This is an exciting time. The only real question is whether you'll fall back asleep or stay conscious enough to enjoy yourself while experiencing a grandiose shift in consciousness firsthand, complete with both its ups and downs. So welcome to being human again. Everything is changing and transforming. Everything is changing and transforming, and you're in the middle of all of it. Whether you realize it or not, your life has started to transform as your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual dimensions are moving into a higher dimension. Earth is ascending into the fifth dimension of light and love. The good news is that these changes are only for the better because we've been at this point before many times throughout history. For example, Jesus ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago to raise our vibrations to move us forward even further. Humans were only in the third dimension then. Nothing bad will happen. Everything that's happening now will make things better than they were before. I know this sounds crazy and unbelievable because people have been changing their lives drastically with my guidance for so long now that they don't even notice how different their lives are from a few years ago. Their lives keep getting better every day. That's why I'm writing this post, so you can get ready for what's coming next and prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. The truth is, we are entering a whole new paradigm. It is not so much a new world as it is a golden grid. This golden grid has been here waiting for you, but the consciousness of some people could not attain it because their hearts were closed to it. As the ego swells and rages, you will continue to see ever greater possibilities open up before you. Many of them seem unbelievable to the human mind that is still caught in the old paradigm. We are almost there now. Like a child waking on Christmas morning, each new day will be even more wondrous than the last. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. Aho. This is a message to humanity from Aurora Ray, Ambassador of the Galactic Federation. Okay, Rama's going to play a song for the end of the night. Tell everybody what this is called. This is... um a new song from Snotnam Car, Walking Into the Light. All right, here we go, everybody. Walking Into the Light. Just a second. <laughs>
faces shining bright, we're together in the light, yes we're walking, we're walking, walking into the light, I'm walking into the light, walking into the light, we're walking into the light everybody tonight and we'll see you in your dreams in the light and this afternoon we'll meet again and take another journey Sat Nam Sat Nam Ki 13 thank yous honey in the heart no evil and live long and prosper Namaste everyone thank you thank you Aloha.